0: And we're here with Trista. Hello, and welcome everybody to the Mary Trump Show. And today, my and guest co-hosted is with Miller Trista, and MSNBC analyst, writer at large at The Full Work, host of Not My Party on Snapchat, and as of yesterday, author of the new book Why We Did It
1: it's so good to meet you. I can't either. You know, they say that we have this never-Trump cabal that we're all meeting at various cocktail parties. I guess I'm not getting invited to them. Uh, I don't know how we haven't met, but uh, I, would, I would think that we are both pretty high in the cabal were it to exist. So I'm so excited yeah. to finally do this. Uh,
0: me too. And I, particularly after the Supreme Court... <laughs> The supreme court basically taking a hatchet to american democracy and what's been going on um, in the hearings the january 6th select committee hearings as well as your for- former party's um, reactions lack thereof uh, and trying to position themselves as separate from everything the committee is uncovering uh, first of all I'm really curious I I wish I had had time to read your book but again it just came out yesterday so uh, I usually try to be prepared but I'm very much looking forward to it because I've I'm always really curious about that evolution um, that political evolution because and I don't I don't mean this to be disrespectful at all it's just you know I've been a liberal all my life and you know, some people may not understand why. So I was like, I've never quite understood why people were Republicans in the first place. So yeah, sure. um, I'd love to hear a little bit about that journey. And um, which I, your book is about and what happened? What was the turning point? Was it the sudden thing? Or was it this slow building wave of yeah. horror? Well,
1: look, everybody, and I say this to all my former friends and colleagues who, who haven't jumped ship. I I always say, look, everybody who gets into politics in the beginning is like a level of earnestness, right? right, You care about politics. You're drawn to it for a reason. Very few people just kind of accidentally fall into politics, right? And and so, you know, as a young person, I was, I I tended to be conservative. I I was more of a moderate Republican. I was always a moderate Republican. I worked for John Huntsman. Like, that was my type of Republican. Uh, You know, my colleagues on campaigns used to joke back in the, that I was a Lincoln-Chafee Republican. <laughs> like was barely a Republican at all. So I was always a moderate, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I bought into the, you know, personal liberty side of things. I bought into the, uh, you know, free market side of things. I'm, I, you know, everybody's influenced by their family. <laughs> we can get into that with you in a second. But my father was, uh, you know, a self-made, you know, man. And I, I kind of really... Uh, you know, I think that that impacted my view of of how how the government should be involved in in taking from his you know success, um, and you know foreign policy wise, I, you know I found myself more on the you know pro America um, neocon if you will side of things. So I, you know I ended up having some doubts about Iraq, and so that that's why I was drawn to the party. Like I said, I was a moderate. I think that what I get into in the book is the shameful part of all this I have that covers most of my peers right like most of my peers who, who got into politics came up in the west wing era we were all kind of center-right moderate republicans who are drawn to the the drama drawn to the game drawn to the sport of it um you know I, I didn't know a ton of people who were you know hardline social conservatives or hardline anti-immigrant nationalists you know I, you know many of us liked you know, Obama kind of at a personal level, and, you know, had, had we been born four years later, might have worked for Obama instead, you know what I mean? Like This is where we were, like, we, we were, you know, wearing one jersey, the other people in town were in the other jersey, my friends were Democrats, we'd attack each other on Twitter, you know, Liz Smith is Pete Buttigieg's person, like, we used to have kind of a performative fight back and forth, because, like, the differences with us are pretty small, like, we had differences, but they are pretty small. Um, and so I look back on that and, you know, Palin was the first, and, and so I talk about this in the book. And and, and I think this is, in, uh, you know, in some ways, I, I, the book is actually harder on people like me than it is the actual bigots and true believers. Because it's like, look, like, you know, we just excused it. You know, we yeah. we compartmentalized it. And we're like, the candidates that we are working for are the good ones. You know, uh, uh, the Sarah Palin thing. Like, we saw all the, I saw all this happening back in 2008. I saw it. And I knew it was coming. And I just, I just uh, because I was so enamored with the horse race and the sport of it, I put it in a box in my brain. And, and so, I, I mean, this is, you know, a pox in my house. But, um, but that's, that's, that's kind of how it happened.
0: That's the... That's one of the interesting points here, is how all of us do this. We, if we're wrong, we don't like to admit it, so we just would rather keep being wrong and not listen to information that contradicts us. Uh, If we're part of something, and then sort of around the edges, bad stuff starts happening, we put on our blinders. Um, Everybody does that, and especially since um, parties, Uh, political parties are inherited in the same way religions are, in a way. Uh, There was a study done that showed that um, you're more likely to get divorced than you are to change your political party. So, it's deeply deeply ingrained.
1: And deeply, and just two quick points on that, and the the central, like if my book is about anything, besides politics, it's about these stories that we tell ourselves to comfort us, to avoid us from having to to confront, you know, unappealing facts, right? Like that's what it's about. It's about how we lie to ourselves, you know, and and we we do the convenient thing, you know, rather than saying, oh man, like I actually need to do the hard thing here. Like the hard thing here would be to say, you know, no, this is against my integrity, or no, I need to kind of, you know, what my, the things that are going on in my social group is not, you know, uh, uh, unethical or immoral. Those, those things are, it's much easier to tell it to, you know, the old George Bush line, say, what about Bush? This is a good line, was, you know, we, we judge ourselves by our best intentions and our enemies by our worst examples. And like, that's kind of what this book yeah. is about, right? Like, you, you just look yeah. at yourself and, and you don't actually judge, you know, the reality. And so, you know, I think that's one element of it. And the other thing is, as a gay, as a gay man, I wrote a lot about identity and kind coming, of coming out of the closet. And a lot of this, for me, leaving the party was, there are some parallels between coming out of a closet, right? Like you have this identity of yourself. And this goes to your point about divorce and how rare it is. I'm a Republican. This is particularly true in DC. It's true throughout the country, but like, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. And that defines me. And it's as much a part of me, I think particularly for white people, not, not for people of color, but for white people, right. it's like, it's as much a part of me as my race and my religion. Like I'm a white Catholic. You know republican denver broncos fan like those are the things that define me right and so if i change that then the other people in my life start to look at me differently right they're like you know you were and so it becomes hard it's like oh man if i come out of the closet as a hillary voter what's my dad gonna think what's my grandma gonna think what are my friends gonna think Uh, my my linkedin bio says reagan on it i'm gonna have to change that right like it's harder than people think I mean, it shouldn't have been hard because, you know, it was so monstrous what happened in 2016. But um, but, but I
2: think that people under, don't appreciate particularly non-political people,
1: like don't appreciate how ingrained that is in our culture in, in Washington and with, and, and with highly engaged political people. And I think that that is one of the reasons why so many of my, my friends kept going along with this.
0: You you make a really good point about um the different kinds of republicans there used to be uh there there was a. I, I think a lot of the people uh, you're much younger than i am but um a lot of people in the 80s 90s we who were republicans would be democrats now. probably right. um you know obama probably would have been a republican in the early 80s uh She's... you know because i think um a lot of older obama certainly yeah yeah exactly so um that's not the case i think that the republican party is now a monolith um what do you think because this is this is what i find very curious a lot of people in your position decided to stay dig in and go to the dark side you reference elise stefanek uh and you know she's one of one of many like what what about this may some people want to stay because as you said it was so horrifically bad in 2016 that it gave you guys an out to make it it was the reasonable yeah. thing to do was to leave the park. Right. um and yet a lot of people stayed
1: almost everybody stayed, and i can put on the yep. I, in, in dc uh, you know obviously there were a yep. lot of people in, around the country who, who bailed but um, i can count on two hands like the people well, that really you know did the right thing um uh, Elise is, 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 I think a particular example. I, I think it's a little bit different for different people. There are a couple different, you know, ty- types that I, that I talked about. And, and one of them is just, you know, straight ambition, right? And career ambition. I, I don't think that, you know, people who who've come to politics or recently who aren't like huge political nerds uh, might not realize Elise's campaign in 2014. She ran, you know, like what the dream campaign would have been for me. You know for for a candidate it was like i'm pro-immigrant i'm pro-gay i believe climate change is a problem and we need to deal with it you know um but i also you know support a more aggressive foreign policy right this was a, that was what we need to be compassionate and welcoming that was her campaign she was on the front edge of that in 2014. I don't, and so and i so i interviewed for this book i tried to interview her she sent me an email that said i see i see your twitter feed so i don't think we need to, i don't know how to do this so i was like okay fair enough police um all right but i interviewed all the people that were on the campaign with her, her friends we have a ton of mutual friends we worked together in 2012 and you know they all make excuses for it and say well this is what our voters want it's like well that's not really true actually i you know there have been up um, that she could um have, have maintained, I, I think, kept winning primaries up there, which has not been as powerful, right? And so what she, what, what, a, what, this was not for her a response to voters. That is the case for certain candidates. For her, this was, she's so ambitious that, that, that she, you know, managed to just put all of those past views aside and say, I'm going to take out this change. You know, I'm going to be the Speaker of the House. And I think that least will be on the short list for the VP, uh, um, if, especially if it's Trump next time, maybe if it's DeSantis. Um, and so uh, it's paid off for And so I, I think that is another reason why you keep doing it, right? Like why you stay in there's a little bit of a mob element to it, right? You can't, you know, um, uh, you keep getting rewarded. So I, I mean, I think she's a really extreme example. There are a lot of other people that it's more mild, right? It's just inertia, right? And it's like, you know, this is my career, I'm doing this, what else am I supposed to do? And they'd call me and we'd have a drink and I'd make suggestions to them. And you know, they'd say, I don't know, and then mumble something and then keep going the next day. So, um, you know, I, I think that there are different reasons and people have different addictions. But, um, but I, I, it, it was, they were, they're so powerful. These rationalizations are so powerful. And that's, I think, the yeah. big surprising thing for me. I, I would have expected more people to bail.
0: You know, the thing that surprises me is that and this is this is my prejudice but sure i don't think you can be a decent human being and be an elected official in the republican party anymore and it strikes me that okay in the senate almost 100 of the time it's 50 votes it's a 50 vote block in the house a tiny handful of republicans will vote uh with democrats so it is almost the entirety of the party and I get hung up on is it how is it possible that that many people suddenly just became awful is it characterological or did they change because circumstances changed them?
1: I think that there's both happening some people changed I think that some people became radicalized when I was writing the book one of the things that shocked me very and I this was like the thing that caught me the most off guard was I, I again I was interviewing all people who you would have thought I might have a conscience and do the right thing, right? I didn't go interview Stephen Miller. Right? I don't think that Stephen Miller's that interesting. Right? Uh, you know and what was just happening here. Yeah, right. And, and I, was, I was trying to interview people who are who were human, who are three dimensional, or are complicated. People that have a shadow sign and a good sign and want and, and aspire to be good people. And and they have just convinced been convinced themselves some of them have been brainwashed by fox and tv and some of them i think that it just leads to personal animus they've convinced themselves that that the the really bad people out there are on the left and they would rant. people out there, people that i were otherwise kind of gentle good people i'd start interviewing them and we'd get deeper and deeper and you know we'd be on background saying so their name wouldn't be on it they'd start to get riled up you know the you know, Lincoln project, and MSM and the reporters that are all out to get us, and, you know, the, I have to drink out of paper straws now, and like why, like, why are you so mad about this? You know, you're a successful, you know, privileged, white senator or staffer or house member or c- consultant who's making money, like, why, I don't understand why they're so upset, but I think that, you know, some of that is we need to get a you know, psychologist in there. Some of it is that they know that they're guilty. And so, you know, you lash out at, at the other side. And some of it is, I think, just this personal, um, what's the word, annoyance, animus. You know, just like, yeah, if they're so it's like the liberals in their life bother them so much. The sanctimony, you know, the, the perceived sanctimony. Uh, that that they that they've been radicalized and and so I, I i think that was the most surprising thing you know people that i thought would be reasonable um and i think that's what leads to things like look you even had retiring senators even the supposedly good senators like rob portman people who are supposed to know better they didn't connect right like they could and you know when they had no political he was retiring, right? <laughs> you know, like that. You can't blame that on doing what your voters wanted. Uh, you know, he had an opportunity, and there were a handful that that were like that.
0: Well, I guess there are a lot of courts he wants to sit on or something. Um, and well, I think that is part of it, Wouldn't he have been more, better suited? Uh, you know, couldn't uh, the to Fortune 50, like,
1: wouldn't wouldn't he have been welcomed as a hero, as the person that convicted Donald Trump? I, I don't, I, anyway, I, yeah. that's what I would pitch people. I'm like, oh, they'd be like, well, Tim, we can't you can't do this. You can't do it. I was like, are you sure? Have you tried? I, it might work out for you, actually. Uh, look at Cassidy Hutchinson yesterday, where, uh, you know, like. That's right. Don't you think her life is going to be a lot better now that she acted with him? As long as she doesn't get killed by a crazy... Well, I was going to say, it might be a little uh, scary for a while. Yeah, Uh, yeah. but in the long term, don't you think she's going to feel better about her choices, be happier, be able to live with herself, be welcomed into... Aren't doors going to open for her? That that option was available to so many people who just didn't take it.
0: And Tim, that's one of the other things about this... um, Strange phenomenon uh, that I have difficulty wrapping my head around. Um, as you said, there are people who probably would have been hailed as heroes if they had stepped up and convicted him, or you know, voted against the muzzle ban or voted against torturing children. But then there's the the party as a whole, and I've written about this because I'm still trying to figure it out. There have been so many off ramps. All they had to do after the twenty twenty election started with Michigan to say, he lost, move on. And yet here we are.
1: Yeah, and that's the most that's the biggest off ramp that I that I, I still I guess I do understand. I was about to say I don't understand. I, I can't comprehend it. I do understand that. they they could have convicted them and just moved on to Ron DeSantis. Right. Now that wouldn't have brought people like me back to the party. I'm right. this is not admitting that. I mean, he's, I guess, marginally better because he doesn't have, like, the personal psychological issues, uh, all of them at least, um, that the former president does. But, um, uh, you know, I, at least they could have, like, slept at night, right? And, like, convicted him and said, you know, this guy, I'm going to try to end our democracy. And, and it was so obvious. Let's convict him, move forward. You know, and, and they could have still had their cake and eaten it too, right? I, I don't think there's even that risky of a vote, right? And there are there, there so many other, and that opportunities available to all of them now. Right now, you can say, look, we cut a deal with the devil, we got Roe, we overturned Roe, now let's move on to Ron DeSantis. That's still though, no, but they don't do it. And, and the answer, the best answer I can come to is that for almost all of these people, I think there's some that are ideological, you know, motivated, and, and some that are, but, but for the vast majority, the thing that drives them, is this grievance against the left and the liberals and us and the people that are calling them out. And so if your top priority in politics is winning the game and and owning the libs, okay, then then you can't admit that they were right,
3: that Donald Trump.
1: Right? So to move on to Ron DeSantis, you have to admit that Mary and Tim were actually right about Donald Trump. Like we gotta, you know what I mean? They're, at some level, you have to say we have to move on from this guy because he's insane, and they, they can't bring themselves to do that, right? Like because that goes against the whole, you know, fundamental reason why they made this bargain in the first place. Uh, and and, and I, so I think that you know it's it's a it's a, it's a psychological weakness and, and an unwillingness to to admit. Um, you know, what is obvious, I I think, that is the reason they haven't taken these offerings.
0: Yeah, and the vilifying of people on the left has been going on for a very long time. But I think the grievance has uh, hit a high watermark, and that's because of Donald, because he's the most aggrieved person I've ever met in my life. And it's sort of of a, a character trait of elected Republicans now. You have to be aggrieved and angry all the time. Um, and also you have to make sure that anything you do is to own the libs, even if it's going to destroy the lives of your constituents. Um, so I want to ask you about the other kinds of shifts we've seen. The Supreme Court in the last two weeks has, um, Not quite totally, but come close to obliterating the establishment laws. Um, They have expanded gun rights, uh, even in states where we want gun safety laws on the books because, you know, we're densely populated, like New York City. Uh, They have rendered women across the country second-class citizens. They've essentially divided the country... um, about in half, because now we're this checkerboard. Some women have rights here, so they don't have them in the state next to them. So, and there are many more examples that just exemplify this court's cruelty and complete lack of integrity. Um, it seems that what, what we have here is the exact opposite of what a Republican would have uh, wanted. 10, 15, 20 years ago. That it's headspace.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot there. And I think that of course, you know, when I was doing Republican campaigns, right, that there was, you know, this notion that we don't want to legislate from the bench, right? We don't want activist judges, we don't want judges like, that was the whole line, right? Um, yeah. well here we are. I think it was we didn't want liberal activist judges. Um, uh, hmm. uh, which you know, I think has been revealed, the revealed preference. Uh, And and I think there's this small C conservatism, this sense of you know kind of Oakeshottian conservatism, right? Which is we want, we don't want to change societies dramatically, right? Like we want, you know, there's there's this, it's it's like about prudence. (laughs) This is like George H. W. Bush style conservatism, right? Like we want to be prudent, right? It's not, uh, you know, we want to protect things and preserve things. So if we make changes, they should be small changes, and like there's there's some that is good for the societal you know, fabric, right? Yeah. I I was always kind of drawn to that a little bit. I, you know, I mean, there's some, always some, there is also benefit to radical change at certain times. Um, You know, gay marriage was radical change that really benefited me, but I, I got that argument, right? This is there, that's all out the window, right? Like all that small seat conservatism. They, they don't even pretend like that is a value that is held anymore. And and I think that, um, that's reflected in where this, where this court has gone. Um, and I think that's particularly true on the gun, you know, the gun issue. And obviously, you listened to a bunch of them. But just, just as one example, right, with like New York, this was a like a 150-year-old law. I'm going from memory now, and it was like a really old yeah. law. Like it wasn't like a new law that got challenged.
4: Uh, I, you know,
1: New York had had this law that was a states' rights thing. It had been enshrined. Uh, you know, it wasn't. It did not prevent people from having a weapon. It just created you know uh, barriers. Um, you know, reasonable uh, restrictions. I think that was a really revealing, you know, overturn, um, you know, it, it paired with Roe, you know, where, where Roberts kind of offered this middle ground, right? Like, while well, Roberts offered this middle ground, which I'm sure, you know, a lot of uh, pro-choice folks were so really upset about and limited rights, of course, but, but the Roberts proposal, right, was this more what, what you would have thought Republicans would have been for in, in, a, in a bygone era.
0: And it, what's sort of really maddening about it too is that they used exactly opposite. This <laughs> <presentation laughs> <for> the two. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. I, I mean it's just it's incredible what what they're going to get away with uh, unless somebody starts playing hardball. Oh Have you ever had an acne outbreak come at the worst possible time? I know my daughter, when she was... Judiciary Committee
1: Twitter feed from having a subpoena power is as good a reason to vote for Democrats as any policy issue next year. I mean, those like these people are insane. And, and just yesterday were saying unhinged. We couldn't, yeah, the and idea that those people have subpoena power, Trump, I mean, like, wish the government wouldn't do anything. So, no, yeah, that's true. And this slate, by the way, the 2022 Republican slate... You know, we've talked about all this. And, and a lot of times, there's this desire to kind of dull like all Republicans are bad, right, which is which I understand that that mindset. Uh, but, but, you know, there are different gradations of and that. And the Republican candidates that are up this time, make the Tea Party class from 2010, you know, look like John McCain, by comparison. I mean, like this, this class is of, is of lunatics at the House level, at the Secretary of State level, at yeah. the Senate level. I, I mean, I, I just don't think that people appreciate just how radical the, the next batch of Republicans, and if there's a wave, like the, the types of Republicans that would hold office from Secretary of State all the way up to Senate, um, very alarming. The old men, you know, we 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 made we made fun of Rob Portman at the start, plenty to make fun of with Rob Portman, but uh, you know, the difference between Rob Portman and JD Vance is markets. I mean, it's a you know, Rob, it's like normal bad, existential bad, right? Um,
0: yeah, and and I I don't ever want to alarm people for no reason, right. but right now the House is. Pretty much, almost that already, uh, and you know, uh, imagine ten more Lauren Boberts or Marjorie Taylor Greens. Which, which is what we're getting. It's oh exactly what we're getting, and at that point, it seems impossible. Well, I don't know. It seems very difficult.
5: Why you to have to indict and expel them from Congress
0: any time in the
1: near future? I mean, look at that uh, gun deal, for example. Uh, it, it only got this was this was the uh, most modest gun deal imaginable, right? Like, I mean, it barely, barely did anything. Like, I was happy they did it. Good on Chris Murphy. God love him for you know being willing to sit down with these assholes and have me be, be, be. But Like, it was barely anything, uh, and and only fourteen Republicans in the whole House voted for it. And and I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. I think six of them are retiring. You know, so it's like, uh, you know, th- there's just nobody that's even. You know, uh, you don't have to be that excited about the infrastructure and the gun bills to to say, okay, this is what a normal government looks like. This is what we should do. You know, we're we're fixing our roads and bridges. We're making modest reforms to gun reform after a mass shooting of children. Uh, That's uh, at least, you know, the bare minimum that a government should be doing. The the Republicans that voted for that are all on the way out the door.
5: Yep,
0: that's it. So yeah. the
1: ones that are coming in won't even do the bare minimum, right? It's like, you don't have to praise Richard Burr and Rob Portman and whatever, uh, uh, you know, these uh, Upton and Michigan, you don't have to praise these guys for, for doing the bare minimum, but you can acknowledge that at least they did the bare minimum and they're about to be replaced by Lauren Boebert. That's a big, that is a meaningful difference.
0: It's it, it, even though, um, they still vote badly. Most of the time,
6: right. somehow
0: it does matter um, right. that, you know, there's at least some level of seriousness and sobriety and some lines that won't be crossed. No in other. an
1: emergency situation, you're like, I know we can get these seven guys to just pass right. this thing that we need to pass because something happened, right? Like those yeah. the types of people, those types of people are going away.
0: Yeah. You know, Rob Portman is not going around calling Democrats pedophiles and groomers. Right. Right. You know. <laughs> So <laughs> we leave that up to uh, Jim Matt Jordan Wade. and Matt as who should yeah. be in prison, but um, that's another another mystery. Um, I, as somebody who Talk understands the Republicans, I'm always fascinated by people who've who've uh, had similar experiences. Um, because the difference between how Republicans fight and how Democrats fight, it must it must be demoralizing to you to, to see like this party that has a lot, so much to offer, honestly, just not being able to punch its way out of the paperback.
1: It is. It is kind of, and it's hilarious, actually, almost in a sad way. I, I, I think I mentioned this in the book. I forget. I might hit the cutting room floor, but I was like, before, even this goes back before our, this this time. So the the Democratic dirty trickster. You know, in my, when I was coming up, was David Brock, who also used to be a former Republican, right? Like American Bridge, the guy that started the thing. So it's like, it goes all the way back to David Brock, up through all the Lincoln Project guys and me. And I, I, yeah, it is, um, it is frustrating. uh, And, and I don't, I don't get it sometimes. I, like, I don't know what the Democrats are doing right now in the Senate, for example. You know, it's like, should, you know, in my Republican brain, it's always like, tactic strategy, how can we wedge them on the other side, right? And, so, and the Democrats are like, it's, it's like coalition building, what's the right thing to do? There's a nice part about all that, right? But yeah, I'm like, I was saying to someone just uh, earlier today, a Democrat, I said, why, why can't the Democrats put up a bill tomorrow that codifies Griswold or that, that gives all women who are raped the right to an abortion? Right, and, and make the Republicans vote against that, and then run ads on it. Say all these Republicans just voted against a bill that would have protected women that were raped having a, from having, from from being able to have a choice over their body. And it's like, well, some of the groups might be bad if we if we do rape and we don't include this or that. And I I, I get that. It's like, oh, you know, it might it might feel like we're we're going to get criticized for that, or you know, we need to get all the stakeholders on board.
0: <laughs> what what are we doing here? Fascinating, because from. Where I'm sitting, it seems to me that the biggest thing Democratic voters want is reassurance that the people they voted into office are fighting for them, not, you know, uh, trying to make common cause with fascists or get a coalition about something. I, I was speaking with Dahlia Lithwick, and she had exactly the same idea. They make them vote on one piece of this every single day. Pull it, You know, you think it's totally cool for a 12 year old girl who was raped by her father to be forced to give birth to that baby who is both her sister and her daughter that make them vote make uh, us this is
1: what they did on immigrants really quick just this what republicans yeah. did they, they'd find a uh someone that was killed by a, an undocumented immigrant and then they'd that's call right. a bill they'd be like let's have a bill just, and name it after you could do that right it's like uh, i mean you know i, I think that in many cases they wouldn't want the attention but you could find somebody that's like hey I was, I was raped, you know, or I, you know, I had this, I was underage and this happened to me and you can name a bill after that, right? And say, we're just going to protect this one type of instance. Okay. Don't you, are you with us on that or no? And, and if they, if for whatever reason, there are 10 normal Republicans that day, then great. Then you made an incremental progress. And if they say no, then you run campaign ads, you know, in all these swing states saying that the Republicans opposed a law that would have protected a 12 year old, right? I, I, That's I, right. I don't. I, I don't uh, to me it's like a no-brainer and and the Democrats are doing the opposite, and I understand that you know you there are other considerations, but it is frustrating
0: admit. <laughs> there are never any other considerations for Republicans. and I was sort of hoping that the hearings would would um, boost them, right? because um, what we're seeing unfold something that's absolutely. Astonishing, I'm just breathtaking, the, the venality, the criminality of what's being uncovered. Uh, we're also seeing that, you know, the, the other side, many, many people on the other side were were involved deeply in this effort. So, you know, maybe we, we should be playing hardball with with those people who asked for pardons. Um, so, right? It just seems... I mean, you yeah. would think so.
1: And Ron, John- you know, Ron Johnson, prime example, if stuff comes out this week. Yeah. That's a huge Senate race.
0: Yeah. So Call about the, the hearing, Department I'm just just—I'm curious, cause there has two, been so two, five, four, two, much 000. information, especially yesterday. Yeah, uh, there was something very poignant and sad about uh, yesterday's testimony and, and the whole hearing. Um, what stood out to you because there was so much nuance uh to what there were so many small moments that might have been missed um and i think as typically happens people focus on the the plate being thrown against the wall and the you know lurching for the steering wheel um what did what During were your, the some of your the guy. takeaways yeah <clears throat> i mean for starters uh, i think that
1: it's unclear to me why Mark Meadows isn't, hasn't been indicted yet. I, I, I just Mark Meadows ha, is, is refusing a subpoena. Uh, I thought the testimony about him, the chief of staff was this was his assistant. So, you know, obviously, everybody's going to focus on the presidential stuff. But but uh, she testified, it was an astonishing testimony about her boss, that the, the, this violence, this attack on the Capitol was happening. And he seemed to be just not care, you know, d- d- completely detached um I, I thought that was uh, you know an astonishing behind the scenes look at what was happening as the capital was being overrun um Trump, uh, another thing that stands out is the guns obviously i just you yeah. know they, they get rid of the magnometer this was something some of the I'm things the that she testified president. to were second hand this was first hand you know testimony into. um uh, they're not coming from me you know they're not coming from me so who cares um let them through uh, and I think that that is also particularly relevant because it speaks to the inaction then for the following hours. I, I, you know, it shows, yeah. um, you know, premeditation. I, you know, to a certain degree, right? It's like I know that this is a violent group or potentially violent group, and for hours I'm going to do nothing as they come and find my, my even my vice president. Um, so to me, the, and and just Cassidy herself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just. Of all the grown ups in Washington, not that I don't—I don't want to diminish her or whatever—but you know, she was 24. She's 24. She had no business being in that position in the first place. And, and you we know, have all these adults who, who take an oath to the public, to the Constitution, who are doing nothing, who are complicit, and, and they've left this 24-year-old or now 26 to, <laughs> to, 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 to have to take this, all this heat. I, I mean, I—you know—it just, it just revealed like, once again just. How astonishingly cowardly all the men around <laughs>
0: Donald Trump were! And misogynistic. Like seriously, yeah. you don't. Wh- who was it? Uh, the, service, the head of Secret Service, or no? Is Ornata saying, yeah. "Make sh- Cassidy make sure he doesn't go"? What, what is she going to do? Is that, like lock the door? I mean, this is who we're left with. A person after person. Right? Think about that. Think about if she hadn't been there and it's just it's the same kind of uh, (coughs) narrative that if you if you think about one thing changing, if Donald had gotten to go to the Capitol Um, and the reason I think sort of speculation in some ways is useless. But on the other hand, it is very important for people to grasp just how close we came and how much worse it could have been. Or not for a 24 year old woman uh, surrounded by men twice her age
1: yeah who, who so again we're in positions of responsibility like responsibility to the country and public service not just to one man I and mean, that's the whole thing that just gets lost in all this uh now I mean, where is his national security all these there are all these like people who say that they went in because we needed good ones in there i knew that he was a little uh, unstable yeah. but i needed it
0: where are all those people where is
1: everybody they're all everyone is out everyone is MIA it's just
0: and that that is yeah I think that's a good good point I to to focus on because nobody said anything afterwards even though even after they found out And it's just like, and and again, a lot of people who voted not to convict knew all of this as well. So it's, it's fascinating in an exhausting way, I'd say. Um, Although I do you you get the sense that the hearings are going whether they move the needle or not, I guess we can't tell but uh, right now, but do you think that they are accomplishing anything um, groundbreaking and necessary?
1: Well, I think that the, obviously there was a, it was historically necessary to do it, so I, I, that was the minimum, and they're achieving that. I think they've done a nice job. Um, you know, it could have been a an nothing burger, and it hasn't been. So, right. um, so so, that, so that's something. Uh, after that, it's going to be up to DOJ. I, I had a lot of hope that a former president's going to get indicted, but I, but Rudy Eastman, Clark Meadows, um, it'd be nice to see what somebody have some accountability. And I, you know, I was talking to Bill yeah. Crystal about this. And he's like, it did make a difference, actually, that, that Nick, some people around Nixon went to jail, right? Because, you know, it didn't obviously make everybody perfect and, uh, you know, ethical forever. But there was a period of time and, you know, in Washington, he said, I'd be in rooms. And, and people would be like, eh, I don't want to be like, you know, who so-and-so, you know, who right. got, who, who's, you know, who's in the, I don't want to be like Lady who's in the clinks yeah. for a couple of years, right? And, and so yeah. I... There, there's some an accountability element to that. I think that the committee made a really strong case, you know, those those gentlemen that I named in particular, you know, should, should face some legal action. And, and I and I, I reject the notion. I think people like judge it politically on like, will this save the house for the Democrats? No, right? That's not no. the point. Okay. That's not the point in the first place. But you can also have a political impact without having the ultimate impact, right? It could mm-hmm. it help on the margins. Yeah. I think that you know Sarah Longwell, my colleague at the board, does these focus groups. You know, she said that in the focus groups of Republican voters, there's been a little bit more, uh, you know, towards Trump than usual over the last two weeks, right? I and mean, they're still with him, but you know, she's seen a noticeable difference, and and that's not nothing, right? Uh, you know, yeah. so so even even a change on the margins, um, uh, I, I think is a nice ancillary benefit of these hearings if it's not. the
0: I, I think that's really important. Um, and it's educating people in a way they would not have been educated. I think, right. so. you know, there's just things about how the government works that people don't know, because we don't teach civics anymore. So how, how, how could that? Um, I just looked at the clock, and I have taken up so much of your time, but I seriously could talk to you forever. Um, it's been so great to meet you and to hear your take. Um, you know, I've, I've seen your commentary. I've, I've read your articles. I cannot wait to read your new book, Why We Did It, uh, which if I'm, it's on, it's on the bestseller list in Amazon or not quite? Ever?
1: Yeah, so no, a on, I, think, and... I don't know. We're on top 25 on Amazon, I think. Somebody texted me earlier. So doing That's pretty good. That's phenomenal. We'll see. Absolutely. List next week. And, uh, and yeah, no, the same. It's so cool that we get to meet. I'd love to, whatever, a glass of rosé with you or something next time I'm through town. And
0: I love rosé. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, we'll figure it
0: out. All right, thank you so much, Tim Miller. This was fantastic, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again. All
1: right, sounds great. Sorry I didn't wear my pearls. Next time.
0: Next time.
6: All right, okay. cool. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much to my
0: guest, Tim Miller. Uh, that was incredible. Um, his insights are really helpful. Uh, I have so many blind spots when it comes to trying to understand the other side that it's it's always good to have somebody who's uh, come over to our side, um, but share their understanding of how things work and how things have, have uh, evolved or devolved the way they have. And thank you, of course, to all of you for listening. Um, just a reminder no, that anytime you, there is a January 6th select committee hearing, we will be live streaming uh, with in real time commentary and analysis afterwards and a little bit before. So uh, we'll keep you posted about those. Also on Tuesday, we'll have our strategy session up and running again. That's seven o'clock Eastern, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and that's at youtube.com slash politicon. And of course, next Thursday, uh, we will have our regular show, uh, also youtube.com slash politicon, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And, uh, don't forget while you're at YouTube, um, click on the bell and that way you will be sure to find out anytime a new episode drops or a new video drops and, like Politicon, uh, sorry, follow Politicon. Like the episode, and of course, you can listen um, in podcast form on Apple or anywhere else you listen. And uh, that's it for tonight. Thank you again so much for being here. We'll see you next Tuesday. In the meantime, be safe and take care. Bye.
6: You, know, you be
0: safe and take care, So yeah, um oops.
7: Yes. Right. So um <clears throat>
6: probably gonna listen to another one. Um yeah, let's listen to another one.
5: Hell yeah, it's uh why we did it, <clears throat> um contributor, author of Why We Did It, host of Not My Party and Reform
0: Republican Miller to examine the dev- devolution hearings analysis and recap from 628 unparalleled anal- analysts from the spheres of politics entertainment and and they for
7: a live analysis of the 628 January 6
6: hearings okay let's do it <clears throat> Recap. <laughs>
0: afternoon and welcome to this unexpected Mary Trump show live stream of the surprise January 6th select committee hearing. Uh, We just learned about this yesterday. Um, So quick note, uh, because of this, we will not have our regular seven o'clock show tonight. Uh, But once again, I will have an amazing panel joining me, coming in and out, uh, giving live commentary and uh, analysis during the break and, of course, after the hearing is finished. uh, There was a lot of speculation going around yesterday because uh, the committee wasn't saying much uh, of anything. Uh, We knew that the hearing was going to happen based on new information that had been brought to their attention, we knew that they were, be going, they were going to be calling a witness. We didn't know what the information was about. We didn't know who the witness was. Um, but I think it was safe to assume they would not be doing this in the middle of a break, the July 4th recess if it weren't really important, as far as I understand it, most of the committee members were already back in their home district. So um, I think it's fair to assume that this is big. Uh, There was tons of speculation about who the witness might be. And obviously I didn't see everybody's um, guesses. I I didn't make one myself because it's just pure speculation. I just wanted it to be somebody who had damning information, didn't really care who it was. Um, and it turns out that it's it's somebody that I don't think anybody expected, uh, and somebody certainly who's not a household name. Um, she is somebody who gave a videotaped deposition. Um, but I, I believe she was the... Um,
7: Assistant to Mark Meadows
0: in her deposition i believe she is the the woman who um, told the committee or revealed to the committee that people like taylor green and other other congress people were asking for preemptive pardons <laughs> her name is cassidy hutchinson and um, i don't want to get this wrong i should know this but i think it uh, there's been so much going on. It's been driven from my head. Um, she was an aide to Mark Meadows, or at least worked in his office. So, uh, somebody clearly who would have been in the room during crucial conversations (laughs) and, um, you know, somebody whose testimony is absolutely worth hearing. I will say that it's really dangerous to um, It would be very dangerous for the committee not to come through because they, they have ramped up expectations so much with this. Um, I've they've done everything. so impeccably so far that it's hard for me to believe uh that they don't have the goods and i'm also curious if there are going to be other witnesses called hello brian jen hi it's great to see hey it's it, it hasn't, hasn't been nearly near what you thought it would be because <laughs> it's happening
4: is it already uh, past the fourth of july
0: <laughs> i i keep thinking it's march so who knows um march of like 2019. um so i want to put this to you i was just discussing the uh the level of expectation and anticipation that's been set up by the committee because on the one hand you have to think there's no way they would be doing this if it weren't huge on the other hand you worry if it isn't huge that will damage them
5: um so i'm I'm very nervous (laughs)
2: Well, they all are.
5: The question is why they're doing it. It might be an emergency, not because they're trying to like do some sort of shock shock and awe thing, but as folks have discussed, because there's a real danger one that this witness could change their mind, or two that the Department of Justice could shut this down. Well, there's also a a,
4: you know there were hints and allegations of a threat against the witness. I, I don't know what the Department of Justice can or will shut down, but I think it's interesting Jen, that, you know, um, the day before the Thursday one, we had, um, we had Jeff Clark pulled out in his PJs and tossed on his front lawn. And then, yes, which I, a visual, I would, I hope someone got a picture of that. But
0: Wait, <laughs> Brian, we do have video that he released of them taking his phone out of his little
4: yes, phone holder. <laughs> and we got John Eastman who got his phone records pulled. So I, I'm interested to see, because there's now no doubt that there is a grand jury. There is no doubt that Merrick Garland is pursuing this. And there seems to be little doubt among those who know, particularly former prosecutors, that uh, both of those people are steering at charges when this is all said and done. So that's the nexus that we, I think we have to view today's testimony through, is, is uh, what is it exactly that she's bringing to the table and why now?
0: Yeah, because she testified already I mean she was right she was the what's host so, already. What's
4: called, what's well,
5: she wasn't she wasn't live I mean right no I haven't followed all the news today so I might this might be stuff that people are talking about but it strikes me that she will be someone helping to provide context for the documentary film because these things seem to go together oh interesting Be yeah, is,
4: because she was the personal i mean she was the she was the silent person in the room taking notes all the time that's, with meadows right. and the president so uh the former president so what she has to say today and i think it's getting started didn't it soon uh uh from one no, yeah so i i, I think, mean we're I, on it so yeah <laughs> so i think that when we We'll now, we're just going to talk and not listen to the
6: hearing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll read about it on Twitter later. I'm kidding, guys. We are going to I, actually, I want this
5: biography of William Howard Taft to discuss.
6: Oh, boy. Um, maybe, you know, I
5: think I think your listeners would like that. That'd be interesting. I mean, I haven't started <laughs> reading it, so that might not be as interesting. Anyway,
0: ahead. Okay. I'm going to talk about how I planned to, to read for the 500th time uh, in search of lost time. Five percent. Five percent. After <laughs>
4: anyway, oh, no. 1984, it seems like a biography of. The We're government.
0: living it. Yeah. No need to read it. Um, so, I think that, that that is something. We, as you, we both know, there was wild speculation going on yesterday about who the witness was before we figured out who it actually That's was. That's anybody would and, talk D.C. Yeah, but I have to say, I, I, my I came down on. I don't care. <laughs> Who it is. It's probably somebody we've never heard of. I just care what they have to say. And honestly, out of all the people, um, she's not a hostile witness, we know this. And like you guys just said, she was in the room. There is what the, the chief of staff oh. is what, like the second most powerful know. person? Yes.
4: Um right in, in the uh, White House. Yeah, well the chief of staff is you know remember your West Wing. That's the guy who actually runs the West Wing. Right. And that's pretty true i mean that's the, the chief of staff is the president's right-hand man the one that he counts on or she counts on if we actually ever had a female president that would uh that would you know run the office for the president making sure that what the president wants done is done and Donald Trump is excellent at, at, at making sure that people do what he wants done well great oh, so go
0: ahead no, just really quickly, even if the person in the Oval Office is, is actually competent and actually knows what he's doing, the Chief of Staff is still incredibly important yeah. and is still running the. Like, they, 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 that they control access, right? Well, they
4: yeah, control they, access they, and they control. Uh, what they actually do is. is in, in, I'm sorry, because uh, I've been there, I was just. They, they take and they run. Did you change your name to Jim? I'm like, sorry. It's, it's, it's actually
5: knowledgeable, but yeah. <laughs> well,. Go ahead, what, they, what they do is they
4: they will. All right, they'll set the agenda for the day. So the press secretary, this is what we're working on. They'll have early morning meetings every day where they work with the staff and they say, All right, here's what we're putting in play today. Here's what you have to do today. Here's what I want to get done today. And then they facilitate the flow of information and the workload throughout the White House. That's basically what they do on any given day. Sorry, I did, I, I did interrupt and I apologize.
5: Yeah, I mean, I just want to add, I know you know this, but she was the one at the last hearing who we saw on the videos uh, naming the people who, members of Congress, who sought a pardon.
4: <laughs> oh! Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> pardon? So, well, you what'd know, you say, pardon? No, no. No, I know what you said.
5: remember Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Greene, he never did. from her, and I don't think there was any quid pro quo. I mean, there, you know, remember, she's this person who, at one time, had a uh, administration-friendly lawyer, and then broke out and got her own lawyers. It was Maybe, actually
0: you know, a lawyer Donald was paying for, from what I understand. Hey, and, hey, and you know, I, I, hey, you, you would boy. know, yes, yes, yes. The RNC was paying for, for reimbursement, whatever. But, um, uh, Jen, I, you I, would know this. They're, they're not going to show video, the videotape deposition making, of somebody making those claims unless there's proof, right? right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, what do you mean by proof?
5: I mean, her like contemporaneous
0: proof.
5: notes. No, I mean, no, she wouldn't need, I mean, your own eyewitness testimony. Oh, right, otherwise she's
0: committing perjury. And if they trust her, sorry, right. if
5: yeah. trust her. But at the same time, she may have notes.
0: Right, and I forgot that most people think perjury is a serious crime and won't commit it unless you want to be on the Supreme Court and you're a Republican. <laughs>
4: perjury is <not really> <laughs> Oh, hey now.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I like to went there. Well, it's—I I know technically they didn't commit perjury, but they—they they came as mm-hmm. close as you can come. Um,
5: you know what, I, guys? I need to have a private moment of prayer. Would you join me? Only, only if we're like
0: praying to a Christian God.
5: Yes, oh, okay. and we have to do it in, in a public
0: school. Wait a second, Jen, did you get your husband's permission to be here today? I didn't get the sign for form. Oops. Uh, see, we, we're going to have to get used to the
5: second class of And yeah, He's busy shutting down all of my bank accounts and things like that. Ouch.
0: Taking everything out of your day. Yeah, I get it.
4: Yeah. Well, we're there. I mean, that was like literally the first. Well, now they want to pick up making uh, you know a sodomy illegal again, so that's going to ruin a lot of people's
5: Saturday nights. So, you know, it's turning a nation into spotlights. You know, people are yeah. going to be spending their you know, the minute you have a lot of people in the country planning ways to defy an unjust law, there, it, there's going to be a lot of not complying with just laws. I mean, it creates complete
4: chaos. Well, it doesn't. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't overturning established legal Mary, yeah.
5: I'm getting all these yeah. messages saying, "I wonder if people are watching." Maybe it's it's not on yet, right?
4: No, no, it, or, or is it?
1: It's
5: well, maybe she might be going into the room and sitting there. Can we
8: get
0: okay. the feed
8: going? Uh, uh yep, yeah. okay. okay. If we could get the feed, there we go. Yeah, they're not.
0: They're not, they're not the guys behind really. I, I, me seem to be. You know what? Tell me, I'm curious about this. Uh. Because I remember, before the first hearing, I was incredibly nervous. I think we all were really nervous. I'm feeling the same way today
4: with this difference. Today, I'm nervous in a good way. Like, well, i really should, excited. I will point out to you that of those people that you're looking at now, many of those photographers, they, they usually cover the White House. For them to be over there today, Indicates that um, we've been told that there's going to be something of significance in the hearing. Otherwise, they would not be there. That is Oh, I love they're that kid. So
9: that kid. Like, I don't know. He looks like, very comfortable there. I don't, know. I
5: don't know. This is a. Uh, yeah, Mary, I'm not nervous um, in that way. In a, uh, have they overplayed their
0: hand or have they. No, 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 I'm excited. Like, it's a good oh. thing enough to feel anything other than tingly, you know?
5: Yeah. I mean, I guess like what I should, the word I should
0: use, I, the first hearing, I was anxious. Yes. And now it's like nervous excitement, and um, I cannot, I, I don't know. I just, it, this committee has done such a brilliant job, I find it almost impossible to believe that they would fall short. Today.
5: Um, yeah, I I almost thought about getting on a train and getting in line tomorrow, today, and then I thought, I'm never gonna. I'm sure these seats, the press seats, are probably already spoken for. Or is it about? What do you think,
4: Brian? If I've gotten there early enough, do I get to get in the room? I well, I applied to get, get in the room today, and uh, I think you. What's going to happen on, on occasions like this? It's going to be uh, the majors will get their first shot, and then if someone doesn't show up, who might get in. But it's you know, and they do try to rotate them. I'll say that Congress is far better at this than. Than the White House and making sure that a lot of people get into these events but um, today is a very special occasion I'm looking at the feed and like I said I noticed these are White House photographers I noticed some of the reporters these people are here because they've been there's the Washington Post there's the New York Times there's AP there's Reuters these are people that uh, usually cover President of the United States, and I mean individually. So they came over from the White House today, instead of being in the White House person, you know, he's out of town, but it it, it tells you that at at the very least we've been tipped off, that there's going to be something of significance in the testimony, and we spent, like I said, most people in in town yesterday spent the entire day trying to figure out what the hell that was and who was going to be there, and once we figured out who was going to be there, now we're just trying to figure out whether or not the threats against their life are and that's why they did this today.
0: Waj, well, are you uh, anxious or nervous or excited? I mean, how can you not be nervous just surviving with, uh, 2022 America as no. we have a radical extremists wearing okay. black robes? But I yes, meant specifically I, about the hearing. You now. Yeah, we can talk about the
3: other uh, stuff I, later because no, it's it it a nightmare. I'm not uh, nervous in the sense that I think each hearing uh, brings about more clarity to what we knew and assumed is that this was a widespread orchestrated effort, not just limited to Donald Trump and a few cronies, but the entire right wing ecosystem. And each hearing, which you know we've just discussed before on your show and your podcast, really well done and lays the narrative about how in depth and intricate this plan was. And I think today, just based on some things that we know. Cassie Thanks Chuck for tuning started. in. There come back. Oh, some right. bomb there she is. There she walks in. I mean, she was with Mark Meadows and get informed. all the time. She is an intimate witness to history. Wear a, mask. To a coup. Up with an aria
0: <laughs> This is also speculation, but I'm guessing Slight. I think Jen said this earlier, that they could be doing this, not because it's you know, a total uh, blowing everything out of the water, but because she's probably having so much pressure put on her. Uh, from Donald's side of things that I think that she's here that gives her incentive to talk even more openly and honestly and here we go for her protection
1: (laughs) yeah better rip
6: Okay, well, we to
7: Welcome first. to the Christopher for Governor Show. I of all,
0: I, I, I am I'm happy that I'm still capable of being horrified and shocked. You know, not surprised, but holy fucking shit, horrified, horrified. Like Brian said, that this was going on. I'm also deeply worried about her. Um, and, yeah, this 20-something-year-old, she was 23 at the time. She's at the front line of... of i mean what
1: in god's name happening? mitch mcconnell better be demanding security for lifetime for her right now he better he won't but he
0: better okay so norm hi
8: how oh boy uh so was this as advertised or did it exceed expectations i would say this exceeded every expectation that i could have imagined um, <laughs> We knew beforehand, uh, you know, John Dean had said we had a moment with Alexander Butterfield back uh, when we learned about the tapes, that was uh, stunning. And this had better be that kind of moment. So, one, when you learn that President Trump said they got weapons, fucking weapons, send them down there, they're not going after me. I mean, I just, I actually tweeted, this is one of those presidential statements that will go to, like, four score and seven years ago, and you have nothing to fear but fear itself, uh, a finite Berliner, and this is Trump's like, Yeah, secret. that's, that's his, his motto forever. Assaulting a secret service officer going for his throat? This <laughs> man, yes. you know, uh, he he's ridiculous. I mean, a narcissistic sociopath,
4: psychopath. Is the word that needs to be applied to Donald Trump? Michael Cohen told us this in 2019, yeah. sitting in front of think... Congress. He laid it out exactly what was going to happen, exactly what we should watch out for, and and even admonished the Republicans for following him as he had, and how it would lead down to a very bad place. And here we are, folks. Well, you've got the president of the united states lunging at someone to try and grab control of a car and why in the hell do we have to wait until now to hear this
0: for the right. love of does, god he probably that's, he's that's, left that's, that's, in somebody's head too i mean yeah. that's it this is yes donald needs to go down he needs to be in prison forever however i love this every person yes, yes every person who sat on it Still
8: refusing. We need to hang this around all of their next businesses,
0: the entire Republican Party, not Kevin just one.
8: government. I totally agree. At the start. But not only does Donald have to go to jail, Rudy Giuliani and Mark Meadows, oh, yeah. Scott Perry, all these other members of Congress, them are, more about them, too, who are all in on this seditious conspiracy. Kathy, you
7: raise your hand. Okay. I am trying to be blind. Do we know if Bobby, the Secret Service guy, has cooperated or if he is
4: allowed to? Yes, under Secret Service rule of, uh, under the rule of law, he can't testify as the personal coming goings uh, please, right, of, of, of the president. But an action like that, an action of an assault, yeah, yeah that's Aside, right? That, it's like the crime uh, fraud
0: exception, right? That's, well,
6: too. subpoena.
4: I don't know.
1: Well here's the deal. In DC the
4: crime is APO assault yeah, on the police station. Yeah, I think that's Definitely uh, a grand jury seated somewhere handling the information that the Department of Justice is gathering. We've seen two people taking down Jeffrey Clark thrown in the front yard in his PJs and, and which I, I still want to see that picture. Exactly. And and the and the phone records. So we know that's ongoing, and so we know at, at a bare minimum. Let's stick
0: with what's just happened. Yeah, but
4: that's what, that's the thing. We know at a bare minimum they do have a conversation with this guy. They, they would have to. If the if the hearing knows about this, then I'll guarantee you that DOJ has already interviewed this guy on the record. Okay, Jen.
0: You're muted.
5: I know. Sorry. It's, it's Brian's fault because he sent me a DM about something unrelated, and I was trying to be polite and get back to him. Brian? I'm
4: sorry. Yeah, but hey, the passing sick. note's in class.
5: I am sick it. Like, I have chills for exactly—I just want to reiterate these things. Everybody knew. Number one, they put it on a young woman who was going to fail at this task. They knew it. To stop, she, It was her job to stop Donald. Okay, secondly, everyone in that room— knew, and Pat alone made clear what the legal concerns were, and they went ahead. And to me, the most chilling thing is, as Donald was telling those folks, go down to the Capitol. He absolutely knew that they were armed. And he knew, because they couldn't come, I and mean, I'm repeating what we all just heard, but he fucking assaulted a Secret Service officer, and no one says a thing, and my last thing is, you mean to tell me? The FBI doesn't know this, and Merrick Garland doesn't know this yet? Right, is this right. isn't enough? I mean, that's why I just tweeted out, where are you at, Merrick? And right, mean, and, and, right. Oh. and watch, like seriously, we can't
0: ever let any of this go. We need to continue to be horrified and shocked and, and sickened because the enormity of this mm.
6: is stunning. Mm. Yeah, there's, uh, I I tweeted this out
3: because I thought it was so appropriate. Ketchup dripping down the walls, which is just the most beautiful metaphor for the Trump administration and his narcissistic personality. The question usually is, is who knew? So Cassidy Hutchinson's um, testimony says, everyone knew. When did they know it? From the start. And so as a recovering attorney, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, they indicted the proud boys and oath keepers for seditious conspiracy. Based on this testimony, it seems that... Mark Meadows, Giuliani, and Donald Trump were part and parcel of the city. There will probably be more names. There are pardons that were sought. So I want to know more names of the people seeking pardons and how involved they were. If I was Mark Meadows, in fact, if I was part of the Trump cabal right now, after this testimony, during this recess right now, I would pick up the phone and call my lawyer. Because for the next maybe two days, maybe a day, you have this very brief window where you have a decision to make. Am I gonna sing like a canary and save myself or am I gonna go down with the shit? Now, in the absence of any indictments or in the absence of any prosecutions, then that's where I think that the American people have every right to lose faith in Merrick Garland and the Justice Department. Because yep. based on what we've heard right now, they should be just straight up, there should be indictments. You can indict a ham sandwich, that's what we used to say in law school, right? Mm-hmm. This is a double decker ham sandwich. You got like evidence facts. This is a ham sandwich with ketchup on it, dripping from the walls. <laughs> from the walls. So I mean this the thing is this a, is murder. Make this really isn't the murder. This is sedition. This and is I, I just trend, sedition, assault, fraud. fraud. And, and obviously the, the, the law, the, the policy, the horror of what they've done to our democracy is, is the most
8: important thing here. But again, I, I have to speak as the political consultant guy. Insurrection. And, this is it just loses
3: my mind at democrats who are like oh yeah it was only trump trump's horrible he's an aberration and
7: republicans are
8: reasonable i hear that
3: those words said again you know again i wrote ads for Biden, right? but i don't want to hear those words again yeah i don't want to hear words from other leaders about <laughs> reasonable republicans or decent republicans or whatever they are all seditionists as far as I'm concerned, until they, they're guilty They all know about this. They all yeah. allow this to happen. They all injured and in the end people died because of what they did. People feces on the walls of our political chapel, so to speak. Right.
7: All these people this indictment also needs to be a political indictment that we run from now through the election. Right. Constantly messaging
0: us. Yeah, Ali, uh and then Kathy before we uh Go back um, just, uh, um and and it seems pretty clear that the only reason republicans in the capitol didn't want this to happen is because they were afraid but they're perfect they were perfectly comfortable with what the, the results that that donald et al wanted to achieve right yeah no it seems like mark meadows um
5: kevin mccarthy and Steve Scalise were totally okay with happening because they knew that they wouldn't be the ones that were targeted just like how Trump said that uh, they weren't there to hurt him, and they knew from the very beginning of the day that they had uh, knives, pistols, and spears on flagpoles, and they sent them to the Capitol anyway. So I think that right there is just enough to like incriminate them as we yeah. as we learn about all that. So um, and and prior
3: to that, they even had concern from uh, the DNI uh, John Ratcliffe knowing that there was a huge huge uh, threat of violence, and they didn't let it. In. So right. um,
0: that's how down that's why we're here today. yeah and cassie any any thoughts before we head back in because i i mean my mind just, oh, oh, blown. just, just reminds me how him it's really the only was, important but the idea so, is the most, most important thing
7: sounds like not, my mom, not my monkey not my surface it's like okay thanks also i have trouble i go back and forth about thinking if donald really wanted to walk there I think he's really a pussy and I think he's very <laughs> careful. But I also think he has so nuts, he has a vision of like bursting into the chamber and sealing the boxes and like whatever he thought pens could do. And the other thing I'm curious to see if comes up. Do you guys remember that Marjorie Taylor Greene was on Air Force One January fifth to go to Georgia because they were trying to start shit with Warner. I want to know if this gal was on that plane ride on Air Force One. Because remember Margie came down?
6: From they the have right? a log.
7: Yes. Yep.
6: But yep. something,
7: a lot of stuff happened to around Leffler, Warnock, and area too, because they, they were convinced they could fix it. So that's
0: why I looking to it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, Norm, um, what? and, and if, they, if she was, we're going to find out. Norm, the part of this, to, again, n- none of it's surprising, but just horrifying and shocking that um somebody that out of control, somebody that violent was just allowed to play king and get away with it. He's he's a free man. How many crimes did he commit?
8: A billion in day or in a lifetime. We haven't even talked about the fraud, with $250 million. But that, you know, when they said is it, they were using the name mogul, I thought, why didn't they use the name Grifter? Uh But I'm going to reflect for a minute on the moral power of Republicans in Congress. Kevin McCarthy calls the White House and says, call off the dogs, get them out of here, because he knew that if the mob came through, they weren't going to distinguish members of Congress one from the other. They were shitting in their pants at what was going to happen. And Mitch McConnell knew what had happened and engineered it first, McCarthy, to turn right around and protect Trump to vote that same day with all of the others that the election had been stolen. That you have all of these Republicans in the Senate, like Ben Sass, the supposed moderates, uh, and others who were going to let this pass. You had all but eight Republicans in the Senate who voted against impeaching him, no, and removing him from office, keeping him from running again. But I'll say one last thing, Mary. I think now, after this testimony, you're going to see a whole lot of these Republicans try and cast him adrift because they don't want it to reflect on them even as they're planning... No, the it does. To the war, ...which is going to be to try and do this with the active connivance of the Alito court and all these people they want to elect who are going to steal the election without having to have a violent mob assault the Capitol. We cannot let that happen. No fucking way, right, Right. Thank you. And I mean, absolutely. Yeah, go
0: ahead, John. Yeah, I mean, I'm just...
5: I didn't think I could be more enraged... I didn't think I could be surprised, but fucking McCarthy staring down at his phone. I mean, that is... Meadows. Meadows. great Meadows. I'm sorry. Meadows, Meadows. They look alike, but yes. They really do. Meadows, chief of staff, staring down at his phone when he is being told, you know, and that that what is going to happen. And he was kind of like, it's going to, like he, and then he warned Cassidy, well, it's going to get really bad. Well, all of it's there. Why is this guy, where, where's the grand jury? Bring him back. I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I'm just stunned. How is it possible the Justice Department didn't get to this witness first? How is it? How is this even possible? And is it because, okay, I'm going to skip nuts. Do you think she'd rather talk to this committee because she thinks it's just going to go, she doesn't trust that the Justice Department is actually going to do something?
7: interesting i think that's an interesting point
5: mm-hmm. I mean,
7: and also did you guys hear that i think you all said that there's like a bomb squad around the capitol
5: yeah
7: so i mean i haven't checked like is anybody on right wing uh, social media yet like anybody no checked? but
0: imagine the threats this oh, my God.
4: i can't even no. right it. now i the chief of uh, police for the capitol police has. i know that they have taken special precautions today for
3: this there cool go uh, hi guys all
4: right.
3: Well, Jen, real quick to your point, uh, I was hearing that you wanted to jump the gun uh, and talk publicly first before talking to the Justice Department. So the timing here, that's why they were like... had to jump on it. it That's
5: a good reason. I like that reason. Welcome to the Christopher
7: Govanade Show. Shout out to KAMP, Student Radio at the U of A. Okay, uh, just when you think things can't get worse,
0: they do. um, I am... So angry. I am so sad. Uh, Relieved, actually, that this testimony was uh, even more profound uh, than than expected. I think this definitely is going to make a huge difference. Um, But as we Um, and we can help. So many people knew what was going on. So many people knew how dangerous it was. And let's be honest, he was like this since day one. It's not like he suddenly became like this after he lost the election.
5: Exactly. This
0: is just who he is. Okay? And... um, Fucking psycho. You know... Like Scambert Turd. When you think about... uh, Mushroom cock. His behavior... um, Besides so this being egregious, the only way, reason he gets away, the only reason he's attacking a Secret Service agent is because he knows that he, the Secret Service agent can't fight back, right? He's a bully. He's a coward. He's a weakling. For anybody to be afraid of him and to know that, you know, it, he's got his little Cosa Nostra, uh, very subtly, sorry, not so subtly threatening witnesses, um, we need we need to see prosecutions, and we need to see them now.
8: Yes. The Department of Justice phone number is 202 514 2000. Call it. what did she say? was going to disagree. 202
0: 514 2000. Demanded criminal indictment.
3: But I Go think, ahead. you know, as a result of today's hearing, it's one of those situations where Jen alluded to it, and I think all of us did, is the Justice Department balls in your court, right? We don't know what they know, but so far, what I was counting was obstruction, seditious conspiracy, assault. Literally, Donald Trump committed assault against a Secret uh, Service, you know, trying to get well him to drive yeah. uh, to, the, uh, to the Capitol instead of back to the West Wing. Uh, fraud, let's not forget, Norm mentioned that as well. The terrorism. MAGA folks, Ma- the MAGA supporters actually have a case against the Trump administration for $250 million because they thought that money was going to election fraud. It was just going to his coffers. And then the fifth one, the one they just said right now, was potential witness tampering. Uh, the fact that Trump was behaving like a mob boss. So it's one of the situations that if your audience is... What post- about terrorism? I mean, people are speaking up or Add terrorism time, to that. Uh, if your audience is... To- Convince the people so far what we've seen is the five hearings the sixth hearing has actually increased the percentage of people who want to hold trump accountable went up eight percentage points i think the newest poll after this will go up and then if your other witness is the justice department to put some societal pressure on them it's a success i thought today was the most damning hearing possible because you have cassidy hutchinson who was right there the liaison right in the oval office who has implicated mark meadows by name rudy giuliani and donald trump they she was also very sympathetic just to say that sympathetic right? young yeah. a fantastic witness you know speaking smart. as an attorney it's exactly the type of witness you want calm young smart sympathetic attractive i hate saying that but that's how we think as it, lawyers it right it matters yeah yeah it, it matters matter. and 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 you know she, she she was thorough she did her job and she seemed to have won over enough people and so who knew about it everyone when did they know about it from the start and now the only question is, who else knew about it? And this is where I think there's a wonderful opening for Do the rest of the, the hearings. And the last thing I'll say is the, the pardon list has expanded now. And again, mm-hmm. they're doing a really great job with these hearings, almost like uh, you know uh, TV shows, right? They want to give you a teaser or a cliffhanger at the end. The blanket pardon list now has expanded to include Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani. And there was another teaser there that Jim Jordan knows yeah. a lot more than he's letting on.
0: Yeah, just oh, yeah, really quickly, speech. I just want to say just really quickly before somebody else jumps in, the other thing that um, made her even more credible and reliable as a witness is the enormous amounts of responsibility she was given by the cowards who had much higher positions in the government than she did. And the only thing that surprised me about today is that Donald lunched at anything other than a hamburger.
4: Burger. Well, maybe he thought <laughs> it was a hamburger. But you know, very yeah. i have do forget three scoops. Very well today. They they started out talking about uh, how much Trump, how much time Trump spent on wanting to go to the Capitol, and the natural question to follow was why? Because he never went, so he didn't do anything illegal. And then you find out it wasn't he who didn't want to go; it was his staff who, in essence, mutinied against him and got him out of the place. So you know, Kathy was saying at the beginning she thought he was grifting. I agree, but since he got arrived ride to the Capitol, instead of having to hoof it up there, which he would never do, I think the, his craziness overwhelmed him, and he, and he just decided, fuck it, I'm going. And it the, the idea that Michael Flynn would ask him the question, do you believe in the peaceful transfer of power? The fifth. What? What do you mean the fifth? <laughs> that's the very basis <laughs> of our government. and And the constant denial. You know, I looked at some of the tweets that I had sent out after the election myself, and every other reporter in that room from the day after the election onward, and I tweeted some of them out, you know, like, when are you going to get you lost? He never would. And his plans the entire time, you, you see him stonewalling us on the outside, while on the inside, she's giving you the inside scoop of how they were going to try and not only, I mean, the idea that you would drive up to the Capitol and join the insurrectionists, not only did he plan it, he wanted to, he wanted to ride in like Caesar, a triumphant Caesar, and yeah. thank God yeah. that the youngest like, people like communists, I would Yeah. Say. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
8: You know, yeah. One of the things I, I thought the most stunning moment in this last segment, and a really important one, was when she said, "As a staffer and one who wanted to support the administration right. and revel in its accomplishments, I felt deeply disappointed. As an American, I was disgusted." And that to yeah. me is just so powerful and credible. And I have to say, I'm just glad I'm not uh, uh, Cassidy going back home right now. She has to God. be scared to death. Uh, and that's why they had all this security to begin with. Mm-hmm. I sure hope they give her uh, continuing security. What Forever. a courageous uh, and incredible young person what a model for the country to be able to stand up and, and, uh, and do what she did. Can I just say one thing very quickly, and I'm sorry, Kathy, I just wanna say quickly because this is important, Norm is just finishing up, and of all of, mm-hmm. all of us sitting here and people out there, I think important to acknowledge, Norm, that you wrote the book kind of predicting this like eight years ago, um, and, well, and, and pointing 10, sorry, pointing out, I read that <laughs> book back then, and and believed it and and watched the mainstream media even some folks who now seem to get it not many but some who you know who 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 back then dismissed you so i just think it's important for anybody watching and people here to know you knew this was coming and you predicted this back then and so maybe we should listen to you more yeah
0: well we should always listen to norm go ahead kathy i
7: was just going to say if i may add some perspective about what I'm pretty sure Cassidy is going to go through now, something I have a experience with. Um, yeah. It starts, yeah. it typically starts with, she'll get swarmed from MAGA world. And typically you get a Mike Flynn or a Joe Flynn. You can even get like a Bob Byrne. Oh, who's the guy from Overstock? Robert Byrne, I forgot his name. That guy. Um, and then they'll get their blue checks. And so, you know, she just, so that's how they'll, they'll swarm her. And then she'll be doxxed and her address will be out there. Um, they will probably put her into memes right away with we'll probably do a variety of memes, shoot them out around the world, but certainly in MAGA world on Truth Social, etc. But you know, they have enough with you know the chans and riot. Like
6: they people make fun
7: of Truth Social, they don't even need it. They spread their message far and wide. And she also may go through you know what ruby freeman did for free, um, having folks come to the house which is their new thing they will definitely drag her into Qanon, so the q's will find a whole other reason to convince their following that she's a pedophile like they'll go pedophile right away
4: um and they just she, went lizard skinned alien with me
7: yeah that's right so so they'll say she's a lizard person and we're all gonna laugh but those people are because they're dead serious. Um, yeah. they will go to her house as they just, one of them came to my house about a month ago, um, after all these years. And then I can just guess, yeah, going home, the family will not necessarily be with her in this environment. I mean, I feel for her, she will be shocked to learn how many folks can't even say, I respect what you did or something. People will go out of their way to reach out to her, People she hasn't heard from in years, they will stop her on the street and tell her what they think. Sometimes when they do that, they'll do it in a way where they'll try to get a couple of other people. You know, like that happened to me one time walking down the street where the guy was so loud, he was hoping to pick up like a mag here and there. Um, but the scary thing is, this group is so well-coordinated. And we can laugh at them like the gang that doesn't shoot straight. But one thing they really know how to do is this kind of intimidation. Yeah, Yeah. and so well, I, I definitely feel for what she has started to go through and definitely is coming. And the maggots, they do not forget. Their memory is long. So, yeah, this will unfortunately chase her. for Who knows? Who knows? It's like it will chase her until, what, her own party is sort of normal. So, well, yeah, I definitely feel for her. And being so young, yeah. the idea that these guys are turning to a then 24-year-old woman, Kevin McCarthy screaming at her, and all these people blaming her. But
4: she stood up, baby.
7: Yeah. <laughs> but imagine laying that on, you know, like a, yeah. an assistant. And she's so smart. I hate that she's yeah. on their side, but she's so smart. But yeah, it's going to be very rough for her. Yeah. It is.
0: And, um, Adam, it, uh, part of. I keep coming back to this that anybody was surprised. It's just utter nonsense. So we can't we can't give any of these people plausible deniability.
3: Did you say Adam, Mary? Yeah, I did indeed. Um. Thanks but, for having also, me again. Hi, also hi, Talia.
0: You're, you're welcome.
3: Hi, Um. I think that
1: there is a uh, uh, probably a new wall, new. Like I said, there's definitely a uh, a new coat of Heinz on the wall at Mar-a-Lago today. Uh, to begin with, but to talk about her, I think. Um, <laughs> She didn't just expose Trump and Meadows today. She exposed an entire party of
3: weaklings, cowards, and traitors. I thought as someone who has worked for Hillary Clinton for 15 years, one of the most interesting things was basically
1: every single fake attack, many of the things that Kathy described
3: that you know they did to Hillary over the last 30 years um, ended up being the perfect description of Donald Trump and exactly who he is. A lot of these things that we've
1: seen out there you know the memes of him and the trucks and the cars and the you know the high chair they all actually are true
3: uh, after listening to it um but no i think uh she exceeded expectations she's an incredible human being it's sort of like the poll workers that we saw in georgia they didn't you know they had to live through hell just to go there and do this she's about to experience what they have been going through before they had to go through it again um, I feel awful for her, but uh you know she's the true patriot and american today
5: that's right uh Jen i just i'm actually i mean i'm just in a state of shock i I just cannot believe that she was holding on to this information for so long. I mean, you know me, I would be like telling everybody i mean, I, I don't have that kind of self control i don't know how. <laughs> You know, she was carrying this with her, and I wonder if it was her family or what it it took for her to come to this moment. And I keep going back to this conversation we had during the other break, which is why in the world did her lawyers feel the need for her to go to this committee and bless them for doing this, to this committee instead of to the Justice Department first? Because there's three choices, one, she didn't go to them first, two, she did, and they've not done anything, and that and right. they didn't stop her from testifying,
8: right? These, these so third, she had her? a different She had a Trumpy lawyer before uh, this, yeah. who yeah. I am sure tried to keep her from going in this direction. She, she fired. Lawyer, yeah. brought yeah. on a new lawyer, and that's what... The right,
5: no, but, but, but Norm, she spoke to the committee last week. The question is, why didn't she go right to the Justice Department? And my fear is that her lawyers thought they suck.
4: Do, do we or know that she it? didn't?
0: We don't.
5: we don't. We don't, but if she went to them and they haven't actually done anything about this, it's shocking to me. Well, I mean, isn't it, that would also depend on... Gun after smoking gun, we have the president assaulting a Secret Service agent.
4: All of I those mean, are valid mean, points. I mean, so Giuliani... they didn't get Andrew I mean, go Wait,
5: Giuliani got patted on the fucking back a store that guy got cuffed you're telling me you can like assault a secret service agent and still walk on this pl- rock I'm the effing
4: president yeah, yeah that's the whole point i think the whole point of this when you come down to it is is one man above the law donald trump certainly thought he was and acted that way every chance he got and none of it surprises me mary you knew about it how people warned us about it for years the man's not he- i think- I think the other, is, <laughs> the other scary thing is
1: the other scary thing is in Karen. I don't put you in this bucket, but if you look at how many reporters got it wrong don't, after don't January 6th, don't get me started. It is,
4: Adam, terrifying. Being in that White House press corps during the Trump administration, I often felt like I was in a, a, a classroom filled with children. There were maybe right. five or six people that got it and the rest of them were wandering around so happy that they got access to the president they were shitting themselves for the meal that they would get on air force one never realizing that they didn't get what they were there to do and that was their job and the simple right. fact of the matter is if we had done our job better than under the trump administration there were so many places that that everything fell down and gave trump his his inroad the government fell down the justice department fell down Reporters fell down. This was a complete collapse of everything in our society, and we should own what we did wrong because the press fucked it up from day one.
0: So Yeah, the press has fucked it up for, for years. That or
4: anything, but years.
0: Um, yeah, well, it's it's got to suck to watch your entire professional, most of your professional colleagues just failing miserably. Well, Tell I you, see her um, <laughs> yes. but The good is, is they all got rich yes. off
1: of them. That
0: hmm. is true. That is really reporters. all that matters. Um, oh, but, Dahlia, there, you there is, uh, oh. you know, I want to keep ha- ha- coming, staying with this that, you know, a couple of hearings ago. I'm so coherent. Um, by the way, Ghislaine Maxwell got 20 years. But anyway, Dahlia, we were deeply concerned uh, a couple of hearings ago that this was going to turn into, oh, it's just Donald and maybe one or two other guys. Um, did today feel like a turning point uh, in, in that, or or not? A couple things. Sorry, I'm late. Um, that no
9: late here. Late. That was something. Um, so, so so just just one sort of um table setting observation. And Mary, I think this goes to the heart of stuff you've been writing for a long time, but. It's really easy to let the food throwing and the secret service strangling uh, dip you into that narrative about, ah, ha, ha, you know, this is the Peter Sellers presidency, A, a little bit of what Kathy was saying about the MAGA people, right? That there's a sort of a Three Stooges clown show element to this, and it's always tempting to say that's the headline, but what that headline does is diffuse, like, actual criminality and I think one of the things that was super helpful today was that the Peter Sellers stuff, while entertaining, is totally unsurprising. He throws food. He tries to choke people. Totally yeah. unsurprising. And the actual criminal conduct, you know, inciting a mob, taking down the metal detectors, asking to take down the metal detectors because they don't, they're not coming after you, uh, failing to act when Mike Pence is quite literally in peril of his life. You know, tampering with witnesses at the very end, he reads the transcripts. Like, that's just really, really cut and dried. We don't have to talk about Peter Sellers movies anymore. This is just, and I think, I mean, it somewhat goes to Jen's point about, you know, we are talking now about nothing wacky. We are talking about existential threats to democracy and people's lives. And I'm just really hoping. I'm hoping that we don't, like, do the Peter Sellers version of this and get really myopic about how funny it is that he threw his food. So that's the, 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 just the initial thing. And then I just think on the other point, yes, many, many more people are on the hook. Giddows and Giuliani asked for pardons. Um, but I also think it's really interesting that she had those three categories of the sort of the neutrals. The deflectors and then the you know people who are trying their level the you know people who are trying uh, uh, for their level best
3: to get this to stop. I really think as we move forward, thinking about who moves from what category and why is really, really interesting. Well, yeah, while you we were it. just talking, one of the uh, injured capital police officers just came out with a microphone, and his
1: officer, our own president set us up. It's this it? point yeah. and also yeah. now. You know. Uh, uh, yeah, I, that's I, the, I would uh, figure um, uh, want to do it, yeah. So, um, I, I just want um, to um go back about one
0: thing. I don't think any of it is. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's throwing choking of a Secret Service officer trying to take over the steering wheel. All of that, yes, it's, it's not as important, but it's damning to the people who... It's illustrative, yes, but it's also damning to the people who sat by and let it happen, because, again, if, if you think about you but you editorially think that this is the first time, but or Brooklyn's or I mean, this is who he fucking is. So, um, you know, I I agree with you absolutely that it can't overshadow everything else, but I think if, if it's handled properly, it is up piece.
7: It, is, it fits in with the entire picture of what was going on that day. Go ahead, Kelly. I was going to say, also, um, MAGA loves that stuff. So trust me, that's all, probably all over MAGA online of like, they'll do the animated where he's got like the Rambo body and he'll throw in ketchup and then we will throw in like all that other stuff. So, yeah, and then, as much as someday we'll look at that stuff and wow, there's no joke there this it's 25. we're going to have shirts made up where, you know, like my guys will be pretty good It's like maybe the are when, you know, they're going to try to punch knock up the classes, et cetera. So, yeah, look for all those things. They are very good at taking the stuff that we think is appalling that anyone would do, much less a president, and then they, you know, they'll turn it into merch. and they'll make it like
1: they want to get out of, of the promise. When I was in DC this morning, I didn't do it for a while. To hold it tightly back, those bags are selling. let left go branding in the corner of the white. Was- Trump, there's a when you're at Seventeenth and Ten, that little shop there, they'll sell you Trump memorabilia still. But but look. It's
3: not a political statement. Those guys will sell you anything that, yeah. you know, it's just yeah, yeah. of be funny. Uh, Walsh, you had a comment? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the two points for any Peter Sellers reference for this is probably the end of Dr. Strangelove, which ends in either uh, apocalypse for those of you who are old enough to get the reference. But I think, you know, what I'm really worried about, and Delia mentioned the three categories uh, that has that, uh, uh, the the to be now in the deflection mode. And I think what's really important, and what was really sobering, of the many sobering things, is Mike Flynn, who was our Director of Intelligence and Trump's former National Security Advisor, uh, pled the fifth when it came to the peaceful uh, transfer of power, the use of violence, right? And the base is with Flynn. And I just want to remind people that the majority of Republicans who barely survived a violent insurrection, an hour later they went, and most of them, because the majority of them, said, ah, we're going to decertify the election. And the RNC, not just Marjorie Taylor Greene, the RNC said, oh, they're ordinary citizens engaged in a legitimate uh, protest. And in the day that the RNC came out with that statement, they censured Adam Kuznicki and Liz Cheney. And I think as of the last count, there's 108 Republicans who've won their primaries since May who adopt the big lie. And the majority of the base believes the big lie. And they're doing the ongoing through 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 the state legislature. So for me... The reason why you need the Justice Department to crack down figuratively and you need accountability, and I want hearings for the rest of the summer because I thought that was thrilling entertainment. Were you not entertained, America?
6: Were you not entertained? HMIC. Uh, it, it, yeah, is, is that it not only do you need to see people in handcuffs, not only do you
3: need to see people uh, accountable, you also need to see the consistent narrative that the GOP has become the de- party of deflection. And the party of the big lie. And that's why they have to lose going up to the election. Because if they win, as we've discussed before on your podcast many times, Mary, it, it looks like it's not just a rap. It looks like, I mean, we've always talked about it's going to be a rap for democracy. But we're talking about literal violence when they're mad avatar, the law. freaking took a, you know, went to choke out his own secret ser- service guy. And, and like Kathy they said, didn't... they celebrate Rambo Trump going to your point, one of, if not the main, consultants
4: working in the primary against Liz Cheney is the former campaign manager who had admitted a testimony. To you, well, and why? Also, to your point about violence, there is already concern among members of law enforcement locally federally and at the state level, that the MAGA violence is going to be the next face that you see on mass shootings.
1: And, I had never we, even heard the AR-15 line until today. I don't know yeah. if others had. I mean, I've looked at 40 hours well, of tape.
4: What, uh, uh, what was most frustrating about that, and, and Adam, you, you pointed out there were reporters there, and we keep, we, you know, we're running into people we're telling them, these people are armed, these people are armed. And then there, there was the other people that came through, you know, the chant to kill my, or hang my defense, started out as f mike pence f mike pence and then you saw the proud boys and the oath uh, keepers start walking through the crowd changing the chant and drumming up support for hang mike pence and that's when they brought out the scaffold and put it up was a very well choreographed effort we saw it we tried to tell people we tried to report on it some people got beat for it i'll give the press a b on the people who were on the ground that day that spent a lot of time on the ground they did an excellent job i think yeah. what we didn't do that day was disseminate uh, from our anchors and others and let people know exactly there was a communication disconnect <clears throat> that we were saying it was it was very dangerous and i don't think that resonated sitting in new york or la or chicago wherever the anchors were yeah, yeah I, I mean listen, i've already I you I- you
3: I- mentioned this but very I just, I, there was a, a moment where talked about the deputy chief of staff, and she didn't know
1: if the message had been delivered about what they knew was coming on January 6th. And this is the one that was in charge of the operations and the conduit to Secret Service and Capitol Police. And one wonders, is it because of him that there was so little security planned around the Capitol?
0: Yeah, I I think that's absolutely probably the case, and I hope that they absolutely look in – or, sorry, I hope they uncover that in in the hearings. And, Jen, I want to go to you, but first I just want to say Jeff Tiedrich just posted this tweet. um, What did the president throw, and when did he throw it? Oh, thank you, thank you, You know, I mean uh, – Which time? The new – exactly. So um, I think what I hope happens, Jen, is that the Democrats – Take a page out of that book. Now, we can say that the, the, the maggots who put Donald's head on, on Rambo's body are insane and deluded, and they are, but they do like, they like the throwing of the ketchup. They like the choking out of the Secret Service agent. Why? Because their guy is fighting for them. So, Democrats, please, fight for us, but in a way that isn't illegal or uh, anti-American. But, so, Jen... Um, I'm hoping that there is a hearing dedicated, entirely dedicated to what Republicans were saying that day and, and the devolution of their their take on this because that's, that's how we help people make it clear that this was not just people in the
8: executive branch.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, you know people brought this up. I think Dahlia was the first to raise the three buckets, not, mm-hmm. a, not baskets of deplorables, but three buckets, three camps of yep. reactors. And, you know, now that the entire Republican Party, except, you know, maybe the Cheney's camp, now that the, the, basket, the two
2: of them, I thought that would be the one good. So now
5: that, now yeah. that, the, uh, now that the, the party is really Hanging on to and Donald is still hanging on to the deflect and blame. I want a hearing on deflect and blame. Is that part of the, you know, how tied is that to the issue? all. Even And someone asked on Twitter, um, is this leading to RICO charges? And not to get into like what the RICO standard is, but this is still an ongoing RICO conspiracy. Can, can you
0: just tell people what RICO means? Because a lot of people probably don't know.
6: For organized crime.
5: Influenced Corrupt Organizations Act. Yep. Um, it's like Title eighteen USC nineteen sixty
4: one at sec. And Trump Organization. We don't no, need to don't go, go that far into the weeds.
5: <laughs> yeah. The idea is the thing about Rico is it can federalize even state law offenses. So you can take um, certain state law violence, specifically enumerated state law offenses, as well as a long list of federal offenses, are considered racketeering activity if there's a pattern of what's called a pattern of racketeering activity, um then that can lead to not just criminal but civil charges to take money away from some of these organizations. So like um you know to the extent that yeah. this kind of She's his assets and the, the fundraising and I don't need to go on, we don't even need Rico charges. Um but I mean to me this was like the issue but this is like if you added this to the final exam, the issue starter would be too easy. Like, she brought
3: it all together. Yeah, It's all the exceptions to hearsay. I feel like it's a it's a criminal law or an evidence. Literally, it took me back to, to law school. It's like the, the bar exam, and, there, and there's an evidence essay. Like, what are all the exceptions to hearsay? And she had it. Admission, state of mind, right? of Dec- intent. This is all, like, she could get them dead to rights. So to you lawyer types, if I can ask quick, just
8: very quickly, um, that... Uh, that- the old bastard uh, Mo Brooks seems pretty pissed off recently um, because Trump cost him, obviously, his career by turning on him. In the last interview that I saw with him, he was saying how Trump isn't loyal to anybody, which I thought was hilarious. Ooh, he just discovered that. I know. Wow. Did you Whoa. know? I couldn't, couldn't figure that out. He, he's not loyal to anybody. He's all about ego and all. So I'm wondering, do you think if they
2: were, if he were willing to do it, they got him there, can he add more... Or is it just not necessary at this point? Do we, have, do we have what we need? I mean, more is always better.
5: But if they can keep this witness alive and cooperating, you know. Nice. I, mean, I mean, I'm serious. Like, you know, she's got to keep her safe, you know.
4: Yeah. Well, I never evil. thought we'd even say that when we're talking about the president. I know, but now we're sitting yeah, here but... wondering if the sergeant at arms,
7: like... Killed himself or died of natural causes. You know, oh, and like I didn't, I'm not ruling out even that.
1: We should all be asking where Mitch McConnell is and demanding her lifetime security on the floor right now. That's
7: right, and I, I mean, if Probably she no has a lawyer no worth his or her salt, that's clearly this
6: I'm
1: would have a
7: question. Been part of was... the. Can you hear me? Sorry.
0: No, that's okay. I just wasn't. I thought I was kidding. but I, if she has a lawyer worth his or her salt, then that was part of the deal. Uh, I, I certainly hope so. Sorry, go no, 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 no. So, in the textual worrying room, the thing about, you know, this is looking as bad as the BLM and TPL, whatever. Do we have anybody on the
6: record saying that they absolutely know that it's BS every time they go out there and tell their people it's BLM and Let's Who's going
7: on the record? Because I certainly, many, as you know, many of the J6ers are like, hey, we don't want somebody to taking
6: credit for our work. I don't know. Any, has anybody then said, like, is from somebody saying, you know it's
0: not? That was in an early hearing. I don't remember. It might have been Mark Meadows, but that was floated as an idea. Let's let's blame Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Let's pit it on them. Let's That's say damn. Is I don't, there any, does anybody remember who it was? Tie that to Trump directly? Like,
7: is there anything about him sort of asserting that publicly or to his fan base?
4: Well, I do know that after the uh, right, uh, downtown uh, where I was, when they came out and gassed the, the people and they tried to say that it was Antifa that did it. And there were many of us who witnessed it firsthand, who testified that it was not, whether it was testimony in court or whether it was in our columns, our news reports, or in or on television. What was not known at the beginning was whether or not there was, what the gas was that was used. So we said, it appeared to be tear gas, could have been pepper gas. I smelled it, I knew what it was, but, there's, and so did many others, but until it was confirmed, we didn't go with that. But the fact was, from the very beginning, there didn't need to be people step forward and say that Antifa wasn't involved because it was already reported by most people in the media who were doing their job that that in fact was bullshit, and so I mean, that, that that I think that was settled shortly. Except you're right, Kathy. Except for the to this day, day, to this day, this, they love to say made. they were you know Antifa
7: and Trump outfits. I mean. They really, really believe
4: that stuff. Yes. I Citalia, said, don't, don't, don't buy any of that. Citalia, go ahead. No, I was
9: just gonna say that's why today is so damning. When you have the president himself acknowledging, they're my people. I know they're my people. Uh, it just they're not gonna the, hurt me. Puts the lie to the idea that it was anyone else. Now you have from the very top, uh, from somebody who's in the room. I just think <laughs> like that narrative is over functionally. Yeah. Dahlia, do you, do
0: you think, I, I know I already said that I doubt anybody's going to change his or her mind about testifying, but do you think that there's a possibility that this will bring some pressure to bear on somebody like a Pat Cipollone, who, um, from what I can tell, was on the right side of this, at least, you know, professionally, um, during this entire, during the unfolding of events?
9: I was trying to reverse engineer the buckets, the three buckets to figure out how it incentivizes further testimony,
0: all obsessed with the buckets.
9: I'm obsessed with the buckets. Like, that's the architecture of, you know, uh,
1: And and the stuff today, right? Where Benny Thompson
2: said the doors open.
9: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that I feel like they're putting the screws slowly, like they're saying some of you have lied to us. Some of you have told us things that are not true. You have Mike Flynn just (laughs) taking the fifth over a moral question. Um, I guess I just think as... You have no morals. Well, it's unbelievable. You can't answer a moral question. But I, I guess my sense of it is that as... Like, Ivanka really wants to be in the bucket with Hirschman and Cipollone, I think. Like, that's really good for her. So then the question is, does she now cooperate because she has been named as somebody who was trying to pump the brakes. And at the same time, the people like Meadows, who are like, she's put them in two buckets, right? Meadows was both uh, deflect and deny and trying to inch his way over to neutral as he lay in despair on his couch, doom scrolling. And I think it's (laughs) what that incentivizes for him. Sorry, sorry. So I, we, we
0: need to stop there and just appreciate that because the whole time I'm thinking, did Martin Meadows do anything other than sit on his couch and look at his phone? But that's perfect. Know. You know what? I, I there, he was
5: scrolling through. He's he like the Kardashians. He's looking at his own he he was
1: was the was a, time was like.
5: Eh. <laughs> there
1: was another news alert while we were all talking, which is that the uh, filmmaker Alex Holder has been contacted by the Fulton County
3: DA now.
2: Oh, whoa! whoa, whoa I just whoa, saw whoa. that one too. Excellent. Yep. And and
3: she's on it, by the way, guys. The Fulton County DA is on it, and she's not going to rest. And that's in that open Trump chance. to state crimes. They're for, cornering for Donald, Brad Raffensperger. Yeah. They are going to
4: corner yeah. Donald Trump. It's going to be like watching a New York sewer rat cornered in you know with rabies in the back of a, a an alley somewhere. I I can't wait to see it. I but you know, he you mentioned it was funny. It was like uh, you know, the doors open, people. Look, if you got something, come on down. You know, newfound conscious left something out. Want a discount on a new washer? Come on down. I mean, their doors are wide open, and I think they're going to get some. I think he said that today, kind of with a with a hint of a snark, knowing that there are other people that are coming down. And that was a that was a shot across the Donald's bow. I think more than anything else.
1: And Mary, you know? one thing for the attorneys is, you know. I was talking to uh, Daniel Yulefelder in Florida earlier, who's running in the Democratic primary for attorney general. And this may have been said, but curious, a lot of this stuff, the planning took place, there were meetings, they were, they were in Mar-a-Lago. So I, to what extent, you know, with, with the planning of and what was going on on the ground in Florida from a state standpoint, just makes you kind of curious from someone who doesn't know anything about the legal stuff, does that have any ramifications?
0: General Duller?
5: Are you trying to ask whether there's if, if they
1: were if they were making plans for, you know, January 6th it, at while they were at Mar-a-Lago in the days prior. Well,
5: who's the DA of Palm uh, Palm Beach County? I mean, is it someone who likes Donald? I mean,
2: I'm not. Is sure. it still is that, beyond? D? There's a lot of unsafe bed bugs in Mar-a-Lago right now. That if there's a raid coming, they better find a new. new yeah, I mean, I,
5: I hear what you're saying. I mean, there are a lot of, jurisdictions. A lot of bugs, there are a lot of jurisdictions. Um, could be you
1: a good know. reason to elect a Florida AG that's a Dem this year.
5: Well, you yeah. think? Well, yeah.
0: there are yeah. Yeah. reasons to be doing that everywhere. Um I
5: mean, to me, I agree with, I mean, I think I was expecting some kind of indictment in July out of Georgia, but maybe I'm wrong. Um And I, you know, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Justice Department. I didn't think they would, they won't be, I didn't think they would be doing anything at the higher levels until the spring. But again, I'm, I'm shocked and, and troubled that when her new, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I want to know why her lawyers went to this committee and it's just great that they That's, did. Maybe I, I, know, I know there's I people question working question at
1: every question. level, but I, as a Ukrainian, I was actually disappointed to see Merrick Garland taking a trip to Ukraine. Yeah. I would have much rather had him here working.
3: Yeah. That's tough. Well, yeah. Wait. I was like what that
5: is, is so bad? A lot of- unless he's over there, but digging up some of the Ukrainian conspiracy. Yeah,
3: I,
4: yeah I'm sure a he's a little bit of Hunter Biden. If anybody knows, um, real quick, <laughs> is Mike Flynn still getting a government pension?
0: Yep, yeah, I believe so. He has not yeah,
4: been...
0: That's um, unbelievable the to me. He hasn't been the if, commission. If you Donald, all of his children are getting
4: secret service. Yeah, I know. Millions about of that. dollars. Well, of while money. We're he will winning. not endorse sure. a peaceful transfer of power until your government still pays you. While we're still waiting for Alex Vimmin
1: to get what he deserves. That's
0: yeah. right. Um, I just want to read this very quickly. Mick Mulvaney, who shouldn't have a job anywhere, uh, certainly not at a quote-unquote news organization, license said, license maybe. <sighs> man. Well, that would be nice, mad too. Mad. Uh, said this. Cheney's closing is stunning. They think they have evidence of witness tampering, and obstruction of justice. There's an old maxim. It's never the crime. By the way, it's totally the fucking crime this time. Uh, It's always the cover-up, and it's that, too. Things went very badly for the former, you know, for Donald today. My guess is that it will get worse from here only Donald hmm
5: no no no, no, but here's the problem. Remember there's still that office of legal counsel memo mm. and there's still Bill Barr's position that was really redacted that a president can never be charged with obstruction, and this is why fucking uh Garland should have dealt with the obstruction charges from Mueller, but I anyhow I'm just gonna get enraged all over again. so'm well, shut up. is
4: he using someone told me that he they think that he's using bad like Rudy Giuliani is a lawyer and, and simply and all of them. How have, does he we, still have a law license? Like, like what? Like seriously, question. no consequence. Is he using, if he uses them as a shield is, uh, and they've left their butts hanging out in the breeze doing something illegal. That's not really a shield for Donald anymore. Is it? I mean, they can then go after him for that.
5: Are you, if you're talking about privilege issues, that's one thing. But right. Separately, the separate question is what is the department of justice's position under Article Two, about a president obstruction obstructed, yeah, you know, and they we—that's hanging out there—and it was never fully dealt with because there's this legacy memo from Barr. And I wanted when I used to criticize Barland, I sort of dropped that, hoping he would do better. I was encouraged by some stuff he was doing, but he never dealt with the obstruction in the Mueller report. And there was a fucking roadmap to that. There you go. You know. Thank you. Yeah, I,
0: I don't want Merrick Garland to be the new Robert Mueller, you know, just the wrong man at the wrong time. Um, and honestly, I don't see how... I Basically refusing to indict, uh, investigate and indict would, would be um, to, along with everything the Supreme Court is doing, it would be uh, the last nail in the coffin of American democracy, yeah. you know. I mean, I don't think that's overstating it, right, Watt?
3: I mean, if, if you have the GOP win the House and the Senate, 2024 with and let's not forget the Supreme Court where 2022 we have in uh, 2022 uh, excuse me 2023 and if you have the Supreme Court which we have seen aggressively this week is committed to in my opinion a white Christian nationalist agenda where we have right wing activists wearing black robes forgive me for being so blunt uh, not only do we well, see the end- line not only do we see the end or a direct threat to American democracy, we see the erosion of the rights that were so hot, hard fought for for the past 70 years. I've said that we get, we're going to go back to 1953, which is a year before Brown versus Board of Education, which kicked off the quote-unquote culture war, which ended segregation. Some people said, I'm an optimist, and then they're, they're going to try to take it back to 1853. But either way, if you control the courts, you control the House, you control the Senate, you have a president, and what we've seen from these hearings, it would, if not just for a handful of Republicans who acted as the guardrails, you'll have a Mike Flynn and you'll, you know, who, Stephen Miller as your next attorney general, right? Just think about it. You, you might laugh at me, but suppose oh. that some of these people who said this was bullshit say, no, I'm a true believer. I don't give a shit. And then suppose then you purge the Justice Department and the State Department and all the bureaucracies and put loyalists, then you have what we have in Hungary, which is a one party backsliding democracy, which basically is a standard for autocracy. And then yep. what happens when the majority is represented by the minority that has all the power?
0: Right. And I, I, I want to push back uh, at you as well. None, none of this is funny. Um, and all of what you said is will come to pass. So, uh, you know, not, none of this should be taken lightly. None of it is beyond, it's actually, it's beyond comprehension that it wouldn't happen if the Republicans can continue to rig the system in their favor. Uh, so, uh, dahlia uh donald apparently just truthed (laughs) that's what that means uh about cassidy hutchinson i hardly know her does it matter
9: that he knows her no i don't think it does it doesn't that's why all the the gop tweets about how this is hearsay doesn't matter she was in the room
3: also it means he knows her really well
9: (laughs) she yeah well yes but also it's
3: it's not a criminal trial
9: She's in, she's, she's in the room and she's testifying to things that she saw and heard and participated in. And so none of this matters. And the fact that neither whoever tweets for the GOP nor the pre- former president knows that uh, is.
2: So that is an investigation. I
8: think this is Rob Briner on the Mary Trump, the Trump stuff, show.
2: Piecemeal, even though from a PR standpoint, you know, if we could all soak in one nugget every day, that would be great. Um, but practically speaking, that is not good for the investigation.
6: And I think in the end,
2: you know, with the public—maybe not you and me and others who are really immersed in this on a day-to-day basis and read up on it and keep following it—but you know, we are we are very few and far between when you consider the 300-plus million Americans who, are, who yeah. are out there. And so I do think that in the end, the way that this committee has done it, they have moved at lightning speed. Uh, pace look we should talk about doj uh as well which has moved at a glacial pace and so there is a real distinction there but we should not lump the january 6 committee into the snails pace of the doj because uh what they have done in a nine month period of time is truly extraordinary
0: but dan i i think another important thing about that is the committee has given us some insight into their process, which has been incredibly helpful for those of us who are so terrified that people won't be held accountable. And the DOJ has said nothing. And I think that does create a lot of um, anxiety, uh, which the committee has managed, I think, pretty
8: well. Dan Goldman has managed
2: it well. And, you know, I'm happy to get into because I've had experience obviously being both a prosecutor, but also being a teacher investigator in Congress. So I do understand the difference between the two and the different competing tensions and interests that are there. But one thing I will say that is important to remind everyone is it is hard to get true and full accountability from a congressional committee like the January 6th select committee because even unlike in the impeachment we did where impeachment was on the table, there's there's no actual punishment available to the January 6th committee. Um, it is very important, I think, for transparency, which is a critical role of Congress, It is important for the historical record. It is important to lay the foundation to understand what happened in the event that there needs to be new legislation, including whether the Electoral Count Act should be uh, revised. Um, And it's important to inform the American public, which ultimately, you know, will go to the ballot boxes in this November and in 2024. And it's important for everyone to understand what transpired so they can be as informed as possible. The other thing, though, that I was just thinking a little bit about uh, this week as these hearings are sort of coming out, I think, at a good pace. um, You know, two a week seems about right to me. Three was very aggressive.
0: I think it was really good they canceled yesterday.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to digest. And I think that uh, they've done, they should, they've done such a good job, that in presenting it, that they should let it simmer for a couple days after each one. But what this is doing, because it is so powerful, and it is so persuasive, and they're so smartly sort of um, targeting specific issues with each hearing, is I think it is helping to give some cover to DOJ, if they do ultimately want to charge top officials, because what I think is going to happen and, and obviously there's, you know, the 30 percent of the country that uh, is you know, stuck in the mud and either doesn't have access to see it because Fox News doesn't run air it or the right wing media, you know, ignores it or focuses on, you know, the Golden Eagle sconce or whatever it is that Loudermoke was talking about. Um, you know, or I'm sure there's some Hunter Biden story today, but the 30% either hasn't seen it or just doesn't believe it. They will come up with every conspiracy theory that Donald Trump floats and they'll yeah. believe anything he says for whatever reason. So you're never going to reach that. But there is that middle part, 20% or so, that is, you know, not set in their ways, is, could, could be swayed. And I think what happens with a powerful presentation, like we've seen, is that that more people feel like something bad happened on January 6th. And it wasn't your normal sort of like bad political thing. It was a, a threat, as Judge Ludding said today, unlike any that our democracy has ever seen before. And if people start to understand the gravity of what happened, it takes a little bit of the... Uh, it it takes a little bit away from the inevitable arguments from Donald Trump and others around him that any prosecution is partisan. Because if you don't have an audience for that, because they actually have seen what happened in a a presentation like we've seen, and they are persuaded to some extent that something really bad happened, whether or not it's criminal, they don't know. If you actually charge a criminal there's a lot more of like, yeah, that makes sense. That seems like it was pretty serious. It was a crime what we saw from the January sixth. So in some ways, I do think these presentations gives DOJ uh, give DOJ a little bit more cover to do what whatever is right, which is really all the DOJ should and will do. Yeah, uh,
0: I I hear that, and I think again. The committee is doing such an incredible job of making the case that it's, um, it would be at this point bizarre, quite frankly, if DOJ decided (laughs) that it's not worth doing anything about. Um, but you know, there's nothing we can do about that. DOJ will do what it does at its own pace. And I guess, technically speaking, Merrick Garland has until January,
2: 2025, um, theoretically. Uh, January 26th it's probably a five-year statute oh
0: right okay uh well but that's assuming that he's still uh attorney general have you ever had an acne breakout come at the worst possible time Almost all of us have, and if we're parents of teenagers, we've definitely been through that. Uh, I know that my daughter was always concerned that oh presentation in school that her skin okay. looked as good as humanly possible. We've all had our struggles with our skin, and that's why I'm really excited
2: to partner with. Them. We're back with
0: the
7: Christopher to show.
2: Look, I think I think the timeline for the DOJ investigation, which you know, I will be the first to say has been far too slow. I, last August, I was one of the very first people who called for a DOJ investigation into the coup attempt because it became, it was even at that point before we knew very much, it was becoming very clear that this was a concerted effort to try to overturn the election. Yeah, And that is a conspiracy crime. That is a conspiracy to defraud the United States um, by impairing a lawful Function of government, which is uh, traditionally commonly referred to as a a 371 conspiracy, and it's frankly it's a charge that Mueller used in both of his indictments against the two groups of Russians who tried to interfere in the 2016 election. So it has some recent precedent in a a high high level uh, investigation, and they've just gone way too slow. and I think probably. You know, if you were to take the senior officials at DOJ and, you know, put them in a room and give them the truth serum, they would acknowledge that it has taken them too long to get around to this. But I do think they are, they're clearly investigating it. I mean, they've asked the January 6th committee for their, their transcripts. Uh, They, they are sending subpoenas out. We know they're looking into the fake electors. Um, But I do, I would, I would caution this. There's no chance they're going to charge anything before this November's elections. Anyone who thinks that is completely wrong.
6: Yeah.
2: I think they're going to have, they've got about a year, uh, realistically, because I think they've got to figure out whether or not they're going to do this by next spring, because then it really does start to get into the campaign pretty deeply. Um, and they should, they need to figure this out one way or another. The other thing to say, and, and you know, we've seen it by the fact that January 6th committee has a thousand a thousand intervals it is a massive sophisticated complex investigation mm-hmm. it is, not this as is such a bummer as just to say oh well liz cheney said that donald trump did this that and the other thing so therefore we should try.
0: this is such a bummer to me because um they're allowing these people to run for re-election in these upcoming midterms they should be immediate a
5: year and a half ago disqualified the fuck is wrong with our
4: government? They're complicit, that's the problem.
2: To charge up a crime. Um, to actually pr- prepare and present admissible evidence, which requires the actual witness to testify to first-hand knowledge, not hearsay, not what someone else told them, um, and to be able to put it all together, understanding all the different nuances and and crannies, is a very, very cumbersome, detailed, complicated process. And so we are going to have to have some patience. But I do think that, uh, you know, everybody should be con- to keeping the pressure up in, a, you know, in a, in a respectful way, because at the end of the day, to your point, I think what has come out and I say this as you know, a pro- former prosecutor. That it seems to me, based on what we've seen and subject to unknown contrary evidence that we haven't seen uh and by the way that does not include donald trump's allegations that the, there was election fraud in 2020 that is not contrary evidence no matter how many times he says it um that i think the only reason merrick garland would not charge this would be for a political reason which is to say that he is concerned about charging the president of the united states crime for the first time in history. And he has he was very open and very clear when he took over as Attorney General that he wanted to depoliticize the Department of Justice that Donald Trump had so politicized along with Bill Barr. Um, but if he doesn't charge Trump, I think that is a political decision because I think yes. the evidence is there. If the evidence is there, you need to charge
9: I'm
0: so glad you said that because it is one of the things that's really concerned me, not just vis-a-vis the DOJ, but also vis-a-vis Democrat, uh, congressional Democrats. So with Garland, he wants to de politicize this institution that's become highly politicized and seems, or at least for a long time, seem not to understand that not charging despite mountains of evidence would also be a political decision. Um, or potentially could be seen as a political decision when, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know, but one, a a prosecutor doesn't make a decision about whether or not to prosecute based on how other people are going to react. Is that, is that fair?
2: That That is a, that is generally exactly right.
0: And even if that were the case, um, I I think it's pretty short-sighted for anybody to think that deciding not to charge would have less serious consequences if indeed the criminality is as widespread and serious as this committee is showing us that it is,
2: right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, and, you know, when Ford pardoned Nixon, you know there was a feeling at the time at, that it is the the consequences for richard nixon were already so severe that additional prosecution which probably at that point would not have resulted in significant jail time it was not worth sucking up all the oxygen in washington dc it was not worth putting the country through you know, a difficult trial with an ex-president, which and and I, you could make, you could see how, in those circumstances, Nixon, in many respects, had been disgraced, had paid his dues, and was, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say he was fully contrite, but certainly more contrite than your uncle. Um, he, uh, he, he. You can see why Ford would do that, and I don't think there's any question that there were some of those same calculations. Will have to be considered by Merrick Garland. Um, so you you, ha- you can't ignore the fact that it would be the first prosecution against a president of the United States in, in history. I mean that even if you're just focusing on the facts and the law and the evidence, as as uh, Merrick Garland says over and over and over whenever he's asked about these questions, and he's absolutely right, and he should repeat that until the cows come home. But it's impossible to ignore the fact that he is the president of the United States. And it's impossible to, you know, think that through. I just think in the end, as we're saying, if you feel like you've got the facts and the evidence to support a criminal prosecution, um, I I think given the gravity of what the crime is that we're talking about, you know, I mean, this is, I would draw a distinction between overturning an election and obstruction of justice in the Mueller report mm-hmm. right like you can you can make a pretty clear and distinct argument that you know what you know that was that was in the past it is serious it's, i i'm not one to belittle obstruction of justice crimes because often they are they are undertaken solely to prevent the underlying substantive crime to be proven so right. I, I don't buy this oh it's just a process crime it's not the actual crime well the whole point of it is to prevent you from proving the actual crime but still you know that related to sort of a, a different investigation um it's just not as serious as trying to install yourself as a dictator and over and undermine overturn an election <laughs> undermine democracy and everything that we stand for. you can't really think of any conduct more serious and severe than that in our in, for a president um and you know it, it, at least a president using his his position as president as opposed to you know shooting someone on fifth avenue which is a separate story but anyway so I, I do think there's a significant distinction and i just don't buy that under almost any circumstances it's not worth the the backlash if they can prove that donald trump orchestrated this conspiracy
0: yeah, and another big difference is, uh, you know, when it came to Nixon, uh, it was, the cover-up was worse than the crime, and the crime was literally having some guy break into an office and steal some of the stuff.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, he, then you right. The, I mean, yes, using the FBI and the CIA is part yeah. of the cover-up. Right, you're right, but it was yeah. part of the cover. Yeah.
0: But in this yeah. case, I, the crime is the cover-up's terrible, but the crime is still the worst crime that's ever been committed uh, against the United States by somebody who's part of the government. I mean, at least, you know, Robert E. Lee uh, attacked us from without uh, as opposed to from within. Um, But That is um, one of the things that is is worrisome that Garland and, again, the congressional Democrats will use uh, well, let's just focus on congressional Democrats for a second because I think they I don't know that Garland needs to be convinced he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, I personally hope that the committee doesn't refer anything because that would seem political, but that, you know, that's up to them. But I want the committee to convince congressional Democrats how serious this is because we're, we're living in this time when they could get rid of the filibuster, but they're clinging to this entirely anti-democratic um, mechanism in order to save democracy, which is not how it's going to work. So it's almost as if they're ignoring what's at stake, because they don't want to make a bold move. Um, And that bold move, by the way, would be to make the Senate um, a democratic institution itself. So do you think I mean, I'm pretty sure the most of the impeachment managers aren't thinking about that. But shouldn't that be something that we we have in mind here? Because Democrats really are the only, it's the only party right now, who can um, do anything substantive to uh, protect democracy, or will do anything substantive, I should say. Um,
2: so I think there are a couple of, of things about that. Um, one is that the First of all, I agree with you about a criminal record. Uh There's no point. Right. What is the point? They're already investigating. So all you're doing, you know that the attack from the, from Donald Trump and, and his associates is going to be that this is a partisan witch hunt. They, there's no question that it's going to be, oh, Joe Biden's going after Donald Trump. That is what they're going to say no matter what. There's no merit to that. And Merrick Garland has been very, for that reason, Merrick Garland very smart to just say we're following the facts and the law. We'll never be able to point to anything that he says that would indicate there's any kind of partisan tinge to it. And in fact, everything he has said has been designed to remove any kind of partisanship from the Department of Justice. But if Congress, and if this this committee, um, no matter what, it doesn't even matter, I mean, it has certainly been validated as a legitimate committee by courts you know, all over the country. Uh, there's no question that it is lawfully authorized and it's legitimate. It was Kevin McCarthy's own stupidity that he didn't put any of his members on there. So that there's part of the reason these hearings are so great is you don't have these right. sort of absurd grandstanding Republicans, you know, mm-hmm. talking about Hunter Biden, when we're talking about January 6th, which is, you know, obviously what we had during the first impeachment um and that was just kevin mccarthy's stupidity and lack of foresight uh Mm -hmm. to do that now they just have the entire field with people you know who are who are appropriately and objectively investigating this because as you will note none of these witnesses are democrats they are all republicans they're almost all trump officials trump appointees every single Uh, piece of information that we have gotten to this point has been from Trumpers, so you know, it's not these these uh, Committee members are not the ones who are testifying as to the facts. They are presenting the testimony of others and those others are Republicans, but regardless Congress is a political body if Congress refers for uh, criminally refers their investigation to the Department of Justice they are giving Weak it is, but they are giving some ammunition to the um, to the uh, to the Trumpers and etc. Who will want to cry partisanship. And since there's no benefit to doing it, literally none, that um, doesn't seem to be worth the cost if there's no benefit. But you know, in terms of how it will impact. Um, the filibuster of the Senate or the Congressional Democrats, I I don't know, you know, um, I hope they address in these hearings uh, and Judge Ludding did at the tail end, but I hope they really do have some sort of summary of all of the laws around the country that um, have been passed in order to allow partisan elected officials in specific, in whichever states have passed these laws to overturn the will of the people and essentially to be able to dictate which of the electors shall be certified by the state. And that was obviously, we heard a lot about that today in today's hearing about how in Arizona, as an example, Greg Jacob, counsels of Vice President Pence went down and explained that, you know, the the, the states all have a procedure for certifying their electors and which um, ticket they're on, the Biden or Trump, right? Uh-huh. And only one state of it, there's only one process that that can be done. So the reason why this fake electors scheme is so nefarious is They were not certified by their state, yet they sent a letter to Pence, to Congress, to the archives to say, we are the certified electors. And the idea was, oh, Mike Pence gets up there and says, well, I have two sheets of certified electors, one for Biden and one for Trump. Well, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to have to send it back to the states for them to figure it out. I mean, it's a complete fraud but what these laws are trying to do is essentially to at the state level allow someone to just choose whichever electors he or she wants regardless of what the vote was and who actually won the election that is scary and that is going on around the country and where where they failed in 2020 they are gearing up to succeed in 2024 and it's a big part, frankly, of the reason why I'm running for Congress. I am very concerned that January 6th was the beginning, not the end, of the effort to undermine our demise. And so I really do think it's important for the January 6th committee to address the future. And what have we seen from January 6th until now that is continuing the same mentality that led us to January 6th?
0: Yeah, it's such a good point, and there's so much there. But I, I want to focus for a second on um, the something that really worries me. Um, as you said, every single witness. Uh, every single person who testified, every single person whose depositions we saw was not just a Republican, but a Republican who supported Donald and or worked in his administration, which is great in terms of, um, in terms of fighting back against the partisan, uh, accusations of partisanship, which are, of course, nonsense. On the other hand, though, um... You know, we saw the other day it was sort of the focus was a lot on Ru- Rudolph Giuliani. Today, a lot of the focus was on John Eastman. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, that the committee is trying to throw them under the bus to, to get Donald off the hook, quite the opposite. They're they're using them, they're going after them to get them and Donald because and, and making it clear that they were aware of, of the lie and so was Donald. However, um, the people... Whose says the we're hearing and who are showing up in person are people who knew at the time, as they're telling us how bad things were. Uh, some of them at the time went on Fox news and perpetuated the big lie, perpetuated this idea that, uh, the real crime was being made by Democrats who were making a big deal out of gender sex. And the rest of them at the time said nothing. So... I worry that this is going to afford the Republican Party in general an opportunity to pretend that it was just all Donald. And they can wash their hands of it, even though, of course, we know that they were entirely complicit. Are you worried about that, or am I just being
2: paranoid? You know, um, I think that would be a good problem to have. And I say that because I think if you cut the head of the snake off, that the rest of the snake will disappear and die. And Donald Trump is the head of the snake. So if we got to a point where the Republicans all turned on Donald Trump and sent him out to pasture, even if they end up being able to figure out a way to launder their own reputation and Resurrect themselves, um, I, which I would object to, but I would okay. take that trait. Is I guess my point. Hmm. Will they be able to? I, I don't think so. Uh, not in, certainly not to the degree to which they would want. And I think when you start to see what well, part of the reason is, you start to see this louder milk stuff. You see McCarthy, Jordan, and Banks and Perry. All of them flout a lawfully authorized committee of their own body yeah. when they, if, and when they expect when, if they take over, I sincerely hope they don't, but if they take over the majority of the house next year, they will initiate every investigation under the sun, uh, for anything, except this one, um, <laughs> and they will want to, issue subpoenas. and they are going to want to rely on the validity and authority of those subpoenas. And when Jim Jordan is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and he issues an opinion, uh, a subpoena from the Judiciary Committee to get someone to testify, what on earth is he going to say to someone who says, nah, I don't really want to come in and testify? You know what, Jim? You didn't come in and testify when you were subpoenaed by a committee of the House, so why should I? I hope people do that, because he deserves it. Um, and frankly, it's, it is disconcerting you know, for me as someone who tried to rely on congressional subpoenas when I was doing the investigation and hopes to be back in Congress where I, I, I will want to rely on their validity, um, I think prior to Donald Trump, no one ever questioned the validity or authority enforcement of authority of a congressional subpoena, but it's one of the things that he exposed by claiming in June of 2019, I'm going to defy all the subpoenas as if he were king and he just didn't have to answer to Congress. You know, we're, we're in a little bit of a different place. And there's, you know, the, the damage that Trump has wreaked on everything in our government is so wide and extreme. Um, and a lot of it we forget because January 6th and the, the effort to overturn the election was so far beyond the pale of anything one, anyone could ever imagine. Yeah. But, you know, he's really uh, he's really shaken the foundations of our democracy. He continues to do so, and that's a big part of the reason why I want to get back in the arena, so that you know we we have people who are really standing up for our democracy.
0: Yeah, I, I, it is almost beyond imagining what what happened, and I do think that that's why it's it's caught it's it's brought a lot of people up short. It's has them gotten them wrong it and I think it's so it's so human to want to cling to what is familiar, Uh, but in the face of this, I don't think it's reasonable for Democrats anymore to be able to say, you know, bipartisanship is the thing we should most want. No. (laughs) You know, an entire party uh, wants to seize power illegitimately forever. Um, And while also claiming that any Democrats who are for LGBTQ rights are groomers and pedophiles, and um, you know that that um, teaching critical race theory is you know un-American or whatever horrible racist things they say, and I I think one of one of the things Democrats need to do, and I'm I'm curious uh, since you are. Um, you want to get you're, you're running for office, and full disclosure, you're running for office in in the district in which I live. Um, do you think that Democrats need to meet these things head on? In other words, I, I've seen people I respect, like uh, Hakeem Jeffries and Eric Swalwell, when asked about the rumors and pedophiles comments and. Um, other other slurs uh, and lies being spread by Republicans, they say, you know, we don't want to engage that we don't want to go there. We, Americans aren't interested in that they're interested in, in kitchen table issues. But we see how that worked out in Virginia when nobody was calling Glenn Young a racist, which is it was his entire platform. Do you think that we need more of pushing back and more fighting and, and better messaging on those kinds of things?
2: You know, it, yes, it's interesting. I mean, I would actually say that Eric Swalwell and Hakeem Jeffries are two of the most aggressive and best.
0: That's uh, why messengers. I was so surprised. I was yeah, so surprised I
2: mean, by that. Um, so but but look, I that is where I'm coming from. I, I, I don't believe that the current uh, Republican Party is acts in good faith. I don't believe they're good faith partners. And so the old playbook of trying to sit down and lunch with them in the Capitol cafeteria and see if we can hash out a deal to get some legislation passed, it just doesn't work anymore because they have zero interest in getting anything done. I mean, it dated even before Donald Trump was president, when Mitch McConnell basically said he was going to try to hold up every single thing that Obama wanted to do so that he could say he did nothing as president when he was up for reelection uh it is their mo and so the the notion of playing nice in the sandbox i think has gotten democrats nowhere and so we need to be much more aggressive we need to meet them where they are with their aggression with our own aggressiveness Mm -hmm. our own strong response and we have to figure out creative and new ways to actually get stuff done Um, And I think that, you know, the reason why we got some gun control, even as as minimal as it as it was, and it remains to be seen whether it will actually prevail is because the two biggest mass shootings that occurred, you know, within two weeks of each other completely undermined the NRA talking points that Republicans routinely trot out the shooter in Buffalo was not mentally ill at all, and in fact was a, 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 I mean, not not mentally ill, but just a a despicable anti-Semitic racist. Um, And so the notion, oh, we just need more mental health treatment, it's not the people, it's the guns, it's like, no, this guy had no mental health issues. And then the other big talking point is, oh, well, we really just need to have more armed, you know, guards, et cetera, to prevent it. Well, we had that in Uvalde, and they chickened out and wouldn't even go in to try to get the guy. So that doesn't work either.
0: Well, so and we, we had it in Buffalo, but the armed guard was murdered. Right. So, also. yeah. You know, and, and I think that you're absolutely right in Uvalde that they didn't do anything because they were afraid of the weapon that's legal for anybody over the age of 18 to buy. Yes.
2: Without I mean, any... You know, a a police handgun is no match for an AR-15. Um, so it doesn't matter, you know, a teacher's handgun, whatever it is, like, you're not giving AR-15s out to everybody to use, and it's just no match. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point uh, of an AR-15, which, don't get me started on this, but in any event, the point I'm making is it wasn't because, you know, Chris Murphy, who I love and admire tremendously, was finally able to convince John Cornyn that Murphy is right and Cornyn was wrong, No, it was none of that. It had to do with specific circumstances and the public outcry that was starting to have an impact on their own constituents that made them move. And so the the whole playbook that has existed for too long, it just doesn't work anymore. You've got to go around the Republicans and you have to apply pressure to them where it matters, which is their own special interests or their own constituents. And that is the only way that they're going to move. And so the message needs to be much more aggressive, I think, from Democrats, more broadly, and much more creative, because we can't just go and directly at the, the Republicans, because they're not acting in good faith. They're not trying to work out a deal. They're bad faith actors trying to maintain their power and trying to undermine anything that Democrats want to do. And if that's the case, then we got to figure out a different way. Now if i'm down there and a republican wants to get something done with me on an issue that you know i and democrats care about great no no one is going to look a gift horse in the mouth right. but you just can't start you can't operate from the premise that oh yeah like i'm operating in good faith trying to reach a, a deal to get something done even if it isn't everything i want you know congress is our political political system is created so that we don't have these extreme swings and that things generally move incrementally, well, I'm open to that, you know, as a as a, a practical Democrat. But if and if a Republican is great, but I'm not going to convince a Republican that I'm right, they're wrong, as it used to happen. Or I'm not going to convince them that you know what you want this and I want that. So let's figure out a way we can both get what we want or some of what we want. At this point, the Republican Party pretty much wants nothing. They, they they don't have a policy platform and they don't seem to have any policy ideas. All yeah. they want is both power so that they can put judges on in the, in the court and they can make they can regress all the progress that we've made over, you know, two hundred years.
0: And that, that does seem to be their sole vision in life <laughs> at this point, just to turn back the clock, um, between Roe and, and uh all sorts of other things, horrors that are coming our way in the next couple of weeks, thanks to this, I think, uh, not just extreme, but illegitimate Supreme court. Um, but to that point, it seems, you know, if you kind of step back and look at it objectively, there are so many things happening that should position the Democrats really well for the midterms uh the gun issue i mean we it the the republicans despite this agreement and let's be clear nothing's passed yet you know and who knows how watered down it will be before that if it even ever does pass because that's usually what happens they wait for us to forget and get complacent and then they say yeah no that's no mm -mm. everybody should be able to have any gun they want at all times everywhere so um the Republicans are basically against 70 to 90% of Americans on this issue, depending the, what the specific issue is about guns. Um, 70% of Americans don't want Roe in Casey overturned. And now we have this extraordinary committee doing this work, making it pretty clear that the Republican party, generally speaking is okay with, um, insurrection and with overturning the results of a free and fair election as long as it's to their benefit. So long way of prefacing the question which is why does it feel that this isn't even close to being in the bag for us when it's mind-blowing to me that it should be like the fact that Herschel Walker is running neck and neck with Raphael Warnock who is not just a, a good decent man, but an excellent senator.
2: What is going on? Yeah, I can't explain that one at all to you, the the Georgia Senate race. Um, But other than I just think that people are so fractured with Republican, Democrat, and um, I think very few people who are supporting Herschel Walker really have dug into the issues or know where he stands. It's more of a proxy fight with, you know, Mm -hmm. Donald Trump versus the Democrats. But look, I do think that as these midterms come along, that Democrats are going to need to, again, more aggressively promote the accomplishments and the gains that the party has got. One of the problems I think the Democratic Party has is because it's a party of ideas, not a party of power. There are lots of ideas, and there are lots of different people with different ideas, and there are lots of folks within the tent who want this or that issue. And it is, you know, it's, it can be a little muddy sometimes in terms yeah. of hashing out how, what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. And so, you know, when you have a lot of ideas and a lot of people want things to, to get passed. They, people will be upset if their pet project or something that means a lot to them is left on the cutting room floor. And so all too often, you end up people end up focusing on what they didn't get rather than on what we as a country, as a party, as a nation got. And so, you know, I think these debates are really important, but I think it will be very helpful for everyone to get behind the accomplishments rather than harp on what hasn't happened yet. And then second of all the bottom line is inflation is through the roof gas prices are through the roof you know this impacts every american in a profound way and it's hard when people are struggling to you know pay their rent or get their groceries or you know make enough money to get the the goods and and services that they're used to getting because their money's not going as far anymore and they're worried just about you know whether they're going to be able to cover their expenses with their next paycheck. It's very hard to talk about a lot of other things when people are just trying to live day to day. So you know there is a reason why Jim you know James Carville said it's the economy stupid in nineteen ninety two. I mean it's it's not a new idea, um, but it is a shame in many respects. Since the economy is doing really well. right? And unemployment is incredibly low. And the bounce back under Joe Biden from the doldrums at the end of the Trump administration is truly remarkable. It's unlike anything that we've ever seen in history, but it's just not being felt in the same way that it would if we didn't have this inflation and the supply chain issues, which are increasing the costs of common goods.
0: But then that, that speaks to another, uh, broader problem, which is that between the media failures and Republican Party obfuscation, there's no context. Um, You know, the, the, the biggest thing, the thing that blows my mind is that the Biden administration has been treated as a normal administration that followed another normal administration and is being held to that standard as opposed to somebody who inherited Three massive crises and has done an extraordinary job, I think, of dealing with them while, you know, saving the economy, getting people vaccinated, and trying his best to shore up democracy. But at the same time, you know, you, the only thing that does seem to break through is, is inflation and high gas prices, understandably, because. Thanks to Republicans, a lot of people in this country don't have a living wage because I think the best way to combat inflation is with a living wage. But there, people don't are. It's not explained to them. No American president has much control over inflation and almost zero control over gas prices. So, it's, and yet by not explaining that, of course the administration gets blamed and. Structurally, the Democratic Party has so much going against it anyway that this, this just makes it even more um, stressful, shall we say, Uh, because how do you combat uh, those kinds of structural uh, disadvantages and failures to um, put things in their proper context for the American people?
2: You raise a good point. I mean, it's always the case that a president gets too much credit when the economy is doing well and too little credit when, or, and too much blame when the economy is not because, you know, the president doesn't control gas prices or, you know, even, I mean, obviously doesn't control the Fed. So there's, it's a, it is, it's a, it's an easy sort of euphemism to say, oh, the president's, control. it's the president's economy, but the bottom line is, it's it's worked that way for both parties. Um, I think it's it would be hard to break through with your, of course, very rational explanation as to why the president doesn't actually have so much control over the things that you're worried about. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, people look to the president for a lot more than what the president can actually be and deliver. So you know, sometimes that's for good, and sometimes that's for bad. Um, but I, you, you raise really interesting ideas, and um, look, I think part of you know what what I hope people start to realize through January sixth committee uh, hearings, you know, when this Dobbs opinion comes out from the Supreme Court, uh, there's going to be you know there's a big gun case out of New York that's going to come out from the Supreme Court, which you know may allow for uh, concealed weapons to yeah, I be about that you know, one. carried around New York when where we live and um, I think it is a it's a real it's gonna be a real punch in the gut to see the state of our democracy the regression in our fundamental rights and our democratic values our core values are at the lowest in many respects than they've been in more than 50 years I mean so much of the progress that we have made over the last 50 years has been erased by Donald Trump, uh, through stealing you know, the, the court seats that he has and putting zealots in there. Um, and uh, for January 6th, I mean, for this entire anti-democratic fervor that has just consumed and swept the Donald Trump Republican Party. Um, and it's unlike anything I think anyone has seen, and, and it's hard, you know, you and I pay attention, we see this, and, raises such alarm bells you know that we want to do something about it for a lot of people their reaction to it is to just turn away I just don't want to deal with this I don't want to. I can't really I don't know how to process it all I can't really believe it's as bad as people are saying it's it is it can't possibly be that bad so you know what I'm just gonna sort of I, I don't like to see television I don't like to see mass murder after mass murder on my screen. I don't like to see all of this anti-democratic stuff on January 6th or whatever it is. So I'm just gonna try to, I'm just gonna withdraw. And that's a scary place. I mean, I think with anything, what we all need to do, and certainly what I'm trying to do by running Congress, is we need to engage more, not less. And we need to have a free exchange of ideas. We need to be addressing things head on. We need to be involved and we need to care because more than ever before, this is the existential crisis of our generation, is what is going to happen with our democracy. It's never been under a threat like this since the creation of it, well, except in the Civil War. But, um, you know, maybe 1886 to some extent. But in any event, the point is that, you know, we are, we're in a very, very unusual and un- or, you know, certainly unprecedented modern history time. And, you um, We need people to become more engaged because i think that's the only way that we win out we ultimately win out over you know those who don't believe in democracy don't believe in individual rights don't believe in uh the right to choose you know don't believe in in lifting people up lifting everybody up you know i mean this whole unbelievably infuriating great replacement theory as an example. You know, that's that's such a regression to a place that we were we weren't even there 50 years ago. And I think that we have to take it head on. We have to recognize this is going on and we can't withdraw. We gotta take it head on and hopefully more people start to do that and we start to to squash the thread of those sentiments that perhaps were underlying for many years but have now come out very strongly.
0: Well, you you are engaging in in a way that um, a lot of people don't and uh, or choose not to, uh, and you're running for Congress. Uh, so I'd like for you to talk a little bit about what got you there. Um, I mean, besides the potential end of American democracy, uh, I know that's probably a huge motivator. Uh, um, and, and also, um, besides the fact that it, it appears that your logo and my logo has exactly the same color palette,
2: which is just a coincidence. But... I do like it, though. I'm, I'm admiring the, the, uh, the head shot you have there. See, uh, the glasses. I, think I, I, I don't think I can pull that off as well, but I really do like it.
0: Um, um, but but you know, color palette aside, uh, it is one of the reasons your race is fascinating is it's purely um, structural because of all the madness of the redrawing of New York State's maps, which has thrown so many things into chaos. Uh, you've got people running in districts. They you have people who are already in Congress running in di- for districts they don't represent right now. and incumbents having to run against each other and incumbents moving together. It's just incredible. So um, I think it's good. You know, all all congressional races in New York are gonna be kind of uh, uh, amazing to watch. But I really, um, I'm really eager to hear about you know, what, what got you to take this step and, and kind of what your platform is and how do you see it fitting in uh, to sort of an overarching message? Because we, we know, you know, midterms are all local elections. However, uh, we need to have some kind of a unified message, especially the Democrats, who, as you mentioned earlier, such a diverse Big Ten. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, when I came back from Washington, D.C., after impeachment uh, a little over two years ago, I didn't think that would be running for felt like, you know, even though uh, Donald Trump had been acquitted by the Senate, a number of the Republican senators acknowledged that we proved our case and they were just going to let the voters decide. And I felt like we had we had shown that he really did abuse his power for his own personal interest and that the voters would take that into consideration. And I think they did. And he lost. Well, he didn't accept that of course as we know all too well now and so the steady decline of democratic fealty in the republican party has really really scared me and you know as a strong proponent for our fundamental democratic values for the rule of law for good and bad you know we need to adhere to these very baseline values that we have and they're going in the wrong direction. And so I felt compelled to try, I do feel compelled to do something, whatever I can, to fight back against this anti-democratic, fascist, authoritarian uh, tenor or fervor that's going around the Republican Party. And in addition, you know, living in New York City, as, as you and I do, um, New York City is really struggling right now. Uh, in recovering from COVID, and a, a really rampant, scary um, sort of crime wave. Um, you know, you've got people just randomly being shot on the subways. You've got people randomly being thrown into, you know, car trunks and driven to out, you know, to remote places and shot and burned. I mean, it's it's a degree of insecurity that. I certainly have not felt in this city in the nearly 25 years I've lived here. Um, and it's it's really, it is scary to me, and scary to many people, that is far and away the number one issue. Yeah. And I was a prosecutor, federal prosecutor for 10 years, <laughs> and prior to that I was a contributor uh, to Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, which is the yes. seminal book on in- inequities and mm-hmm. the criminal justice system. And I have, I spent a lot of time before becoming a prosecutor, really digging into the inequalities and inequities in the criminal justice system. And I think that those two experiences as a prosecutor and really, you know, working super closely with Michelle and and you know working a lot on felon disenfranchisement laws, I have a really good and sound understanding of our criminal justice system and ways that we can make the ways that we can change things to make the city safer while also doing it in a compassionate way and getting more people out of the system nonviolent offenders out of the system right and so i am the only one you know you know by race that has any law enforcement experience and i think there are many things that the federal government can do to help the crime wave both in new york city and throughout the country it's not just in new york city that uh, where crime is going up and so for me it was feeling like we are in this existential moment around the country with democracy under attack and having been someone who led the impeachment investigation, was on the front lines fighting for our democracy in Congress, and then someone with unique skills and experience related to public safety, uh, I I felt somewhat compelled to get back in the arena to try to use my skills and experience to represent the people of our district and to make sure that uh, we preserve our democracy and that I go down to Washington and be effective. You know, one of the things I talk a lot about on the on the trail is, you know, it wasn't just that I led the impeachment investigation; it's that we were pretty creative and we used a different strategy than the normal sort of congressional investigation strategy, which up to the point of impeachment had failed uh, because Donald Trump had defied all subpoenas, and yet we were able to use different tactics um, to to actually. Coax the whistleblower complaint out of the White House to get that transcript of the quote perfect call unquote uh, between Zelensky and Trump to get 17 witnesses. And through all of that, we were able to prove our case in a way that yes. no one was able to do. And I say that only because I do ex- hope to ex- and expect to bring the same kind of creative new ideas and strategies to Congress to actually try to figure out a way to move forward some of the priorities that uh, so many democrats are, are focused on and believe in and i think we need a different way of doing things and i think i've, I've brought a different way in a different context that's successful and i hope to be able to bring that to those same views and approach that same approach in this context to move things forward
0: yeah new york city the greatest city on the planet definitely needs needs some help because we are, as you say, struggling for all sorts of reasons. Um, when is the primary?
2: The Primary is August twenty third. Exactly when everyone in New York City will not be will in not be town. here. So go get your absentee vote. <laughs> That's uh, right. Absentee ballot. Um, so it's a very quick race. You know, there's, there are fifteen yep. people in the race: Bill De Blasio, former mayors, and then um so it's for a, reasons it's a
0: good. that uh have nothing to do with anything but his enormous ego but that's my opinion <laughs> i know what's his will, no like one of the worst sorry i'll stop talking about that but <laughs> it's a nor it's a huge field which is also kind of interesting considering uh the short time frame but uh you know hopefully um I mean, I I think it's pretty clear that that the field is is definitely split into a couple of different tiers, um, and that will certainly get clarified over time, Um, but I'd love to have you back uh, before, Um, and uh, if you could let people know where to find you, and we'll also put that information in the show notes as well.
2: Great. Yeah, you can uh, catch me on Twitter Dan, at Daniel S. Goldman or the website for the campaign is NY dot nycom And Mary's to we we'll always enjoy hearing you, getting your perspective, and uh, look forward to coming back on the show.
0: Dan, it was such a pleasure. Good luck with the race. I'm so happy you're running. And, uh, you know, we, we need people in Congress speaking truth to power. So uh, thank you for, for doing it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon.
2: Thanks so much. Okay.
0: Bye. Bye. What a day. Uh, thank you so much for hanging with us. Uh, I hope you all got to see our live stream of the hearings earlier today. Thank you to my guest, Dan Goldman, um, who, again, is running for Congress in New York's 10th district. Uh, and I hope you guys will continue to tune in. We're doing every single hearing as a live stream. We start a few minutes early to kind of set things up. Um, My panel stays throughout, actually my panel sort of changes people come and go. We give commentary during the hearing as as appropriate. And then, uh, you know, we have a wrap up analysis afterwards. the people coming in to to commentate have been, just been amazing. Uh, so please, if you can't catch us live, it, it's going to live on YouTube, uh, as does this show. Plus, of course, uh, our Tuesday strategy sessions, which are at youtube.com slash politicon, 7pm Eastern 4pm Pacific and then next Thursday, our other interview show uh, is youtube.com slash politicon at 7pm eastern, 4pm pacific and while you're uh, on the YouTube page uh, please follow Politicon like the episode